and cinephiles have come together to bring you strong opinions, controversial statements, epic battles, and plenty of fun. Introducing our host, the man who watches 52 movies a week, drinks 52 beers a movie, loves women but hates the woman, from the foreign land of Canada, our host, Mood616. He is widely known as the man who talks too much. His worst enemies are Postmaster P and Pee Wee Herman. He said Hellraiser was overrated and Leprechaun Origins wouldn't suck. He's the full-blooded half-Mexican, JP. Finally, we have the man who doesn't talk enough. He is best friends with Sean S. Cunningham. His favorite horror movie is Gummo. He is your favorite Jew and mine, Jeremy. Together, they are known for extending a helping hand to Vampircons everywhere. They are the 22 shots of moods and horror. What's going on, everybody? JP, back at you once again, Bring you guys episode number 159 of the 22 shots of moodless horror tonight. Yeah, that's right. It is moods free episode. Uh, I, I guess I am going to be your. Uh, so you sucked it up already, bro. What? Fucking did a bad job already, man. How? Should have let the old school host do it, man. In what Keep way? Going. No. In what way did I do a bad job? The moodless, I think, was funny. Yeah. Let's see what so else. What you part got. did Keep I going. mess up on? Keep going. I have okay. my MVP comment all ready to go and okay, everything. Okay, so let's let's hear you do it then. No, no, no. Keep going. No, good. No, no. This is going in the show, by the way, so go ahead. Your intro now. Let's blow us away, because you are nope. such a badass. Nope. Oh, so you can't do an intro then? Nope. You can't. You're the host. Keep going. So you so you literally called me out for and not even say what I did as a bad job, but... You can't do anything better. I can never do anything You're better. You're embarrassing yourself. That's dude. that's clearly why I got yourself. kicked out of being the host. Exactly. You were. But it doesn't off matter. But I'm host. still MVP. Are you better than me? Thing. Sure. No. Okay. So if you are, then do it. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Why don't you just be quiet over there and let the real men handle the hosting duties? All right. Okay. All right. So like I said, Moods is not here. I am the substitute host for the time being since Jeremy is too scared to do it. I tried to get him to do it. He didn't want to do it. So I did it, and then he calls me out for doing a bad job, which I think that I did fair. I'm no moods, but come on. I'm also no Jeremy. (laughs) So uh, tonight we have a pretty packed show. Uh, We're not going to do news, uh, and we will explain where moods is, and we will talk about that Peter problem. Uh, but we have a ton of what we watch to do. We have, what, six featured reviews? Uh, seven. No, six. Six, six featured reviews. Uh, Mike Merriman is actually going to join us for the featured reviews later in the show. But for now, uh, it's just me and Jeremy. Um, so it's been a while. We haven't six posted weeks. an episode in six or seven weeks by the time this comes out. Uh, and we pretty much literally had to do a show because we are so far behind in the Patreon, uh, tiers and, and rewards that we owe everybody. And that's just not a good look to just never fulfill those things. We have, you know, posted and said, Hey, if anybody is upset with this, you can have your money back. Uh, you know, nobody did. And I don't know about like how moods is going to do his, uh, we really haven't talked about that. So if you're still pissed off that Moots haven't reviewed your movie, send me a message. I'll give you your money back. Yeah. But or, I have a feeling most of you guys aren't going to be mad. But Or if you – there's there's three ways that it could go. One, we give your money back, which we are happy to do so. Um, it's 
you know, only fair. Uh, two, you could wait on moods. Or three, you could switch your review and give it to one of us. But the only little sort of, you know, asterisk with that is that we might take a while longer to actually get to it because we still have our own things to do for the month of May. Um, so it might just take a little bit longer, but it will get done eventually. We have never just not did something, um, except for maybe one spider commentary. baby commentary. <laughs> yes. Spider baby which, commentary. Which, which I did grant Derek a trilogy show when we come back in the fall. He asked me if he could exchange his commentary for a trilogy show. And I said yes because we've been dicking them around Look for at too you long. Making executive decisions by yourself. Well, we've been dicking them around for too long. It's like it's pretty. <laughs> yeah, much that's the same fine. Price. And you know what? Yeah. I'll still give him his Spider Baby commentary. He wants us to do That's how we do things here. We the Gamera trilogy. So when we come back in the fall, we're going to be doing the Gamera trilogy Gamera? at some Gamera. Boy, and you wanted to host. Uh huh. Jeez. And look at they're all 103, 114, and 108 minutes. Uh, that's the Kaiju Turtle movie. Uh, I've yeah. seen a couple of them. I think I've seen two of them, actually, but it's been a while. Uh, so, yeah, we, we had to move on here. Uh, Moods is dealing with some things right now that, you know, he will disclose whenever he comes back or he won't. Um, it's his personal business. I just know that it's not it's not just us being lazy or not wanting to do a show. It's real life stuff that keeps coming up and preventing us from doing a show. We, we've been ready to record for weeks, literal weeks. We've been ready. Uh, I had watched all these, what we watched in fact, so long ago on some of them that I'm probably going to have a hard time reviewing them. Uh, and then Me also <laughs> the castle films I watched weeks ago, you've I watched, watched them even six further weeks away yeah. before the dead show. <laughs> yeah, you watched them before we recorded the dead show. Uh and then also um you know Moods will what, what he might he he watched all his too. So yep. he has watched the films. He just hasn't had a chance to get on Skype and record a show with us and we had canceled and it isn't like we were just like, "Hey, you know, let's wait like 6 weeks and then we'll figure out what we're doing." We planned a show every week. It's just yep. every week something came up. And uh, we just haven't been able to. So, in fact, last week, Moods told us to go ahead and just record the show. And I said, I don't want to. And you agreed. And then we didn't record it. But now it's like, okay, now we're like deep into May. Now we're like halfway through May almost. Like we have to do something. We just have to at this point. So uh, we are recording tonight uh it'll be sort of like a you know thrown together little show here we're not going to be doing every segment that we normally do but there will be a lot of movie reviews here uh we're going to talk about peter you guys know peter and this will probably be the last time we talk about peter yep last time we're <laughs> going to drop it and uh because he says he didn't want to post his message on exploding heads because it was too long so i said fine i'll talk about it on the show and i'll explain exactly why i banned you and I'll go through each of your eight points that you sent in this email about why you were blocked. And I'll uh, allegedly talk to him yeah. about each one. Yeah, we'll, we'll call that the eight circles of Peter that we're going to get to. Yep. Uh, so um, besides that, uh, there is a few announcements, huge, huge announcement here. Oh, yeah. Uh, we Forgot. have – what do we have? 
We have T-shirts, $24.99 shipped or exact shipping to anywhere else outside of the U.S. want to thank all the homies who bought a T-shirt. Uh, Derek, Louise, Lucas, Carly, Tyler, Jason, David, Sam, Neil, Ethan, Clayton, Matthew, Alfonso, Muscle Man, Mike Merryman, BJ, Chris, Jerry, Tony, Neil, Dylan, Will, Lucas, Jonathan, Saza, Nathaniel, Dustin, Andy, Tom, Chris, Rick, Keith, Alec, James, Debbie, Nico, and Anthony. Oh, Holy yeah. All those homies bought a shirt. That is insane, dude. Listen, we have been talking about doing t-shirts for a very long time. Uh, we didn't have really a logo. We were we were actually looking into like we were moving moving forward and and creating progress on it. We were actually looking at artists online a couple of weeks ago before we got this logo from our friend Will up in and Canada his and his bitch. His words, not ours. <laughs> and uh, we were looking to we were looking into it, and we just you know we're moving baby steps, and then all of a sudden this logo gets dropped in our lap. We all like it. We think it's pretty cool. Um, everything just was working, man. Everything just was like falling in order. Like at first it it seemed like we weren't going to be able to get these done. We were actually going to break even on every single shirt for a little bit. Uh, if we did it, like make no money at all because of the, the, the fact that there's so many colors in the design and, and I, we, we, we really didn't know what it, the business side of t-shirt making we learn now we know a lot more now than we did going into it but you know it's it's not as you know you can just go on those online retailers and have them ship to the person directly and stuff and probably make you know some decent money but one the quality is definitely not as good as what we're gonna have uh and two you know you don't have that uh you know you don't have the inventory yourself you know it's it's done through a third party and they take a cut and stuff like that so the way that we're doing it is pretty cool and it's all thanks to jeremy he actually found a awesome dude to do them um in the chicago area and uh yeah just really mind-blowing um we got a good deal on them um it's still an expensive shirt to do with all those colors but uh you know we think we we fairly priced them and it seems like everybody was happy with it because they started flying off the shelves uh so I'm su- I could not believe how many cuz like I told you what did I tell you okay s- people are going to say they want one but actually buying it when we put the put them for yeah. sale is another story I was wrong and I'm happy to say that I was wrong because I think everybody or nearly everybody who said they wanted one actually yep. came through and paid Yep and everybody who hasn't paid besides two people has said that They'll pay soon. So, like, they're talking to me, and I don't think they're going to bounce on him. Yeah. They just don't have the money right now, but they said they're going to buy him, so. It's absolutely amazing. Like Besides I... Mr. Dustin, who said he was going to pay, and then he never paid me, so. <laughs> Watson? Yeah. Oh, damn. Come on, Watson. <laughs> Come on, homie. I know um, you got those smart I kn- person he, You know what? He probably need an extra medium, and we don't have any, so. Well, he did want a medium, so. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that is another problem. We need to l- let everybody know right now. Are yep. we out of mediums? All right. So if you want, we have 100 shorts, shirts uh, shirts ordered. Uh, 102 30, to be exact. 102. 37 of them are accounted for, and uh, we only have so much of each size. So this is the remaining stock uh, size-wise. So if you want one, uh, if you don't have a Facebook, you can message me. Or on Facebook, email. but if you don't have one, you can email me at nesruler2017 
2222 at gmail.com. I'll ask Moods or JP or whoever's posting their shit. NES Roller 22 was already taken. Correcto. Wow. A lot of nerds out there, I guess. You know, so NES Ruler 2222 at gmail.com. What you're going to do is you're going to send me what size you want, and I'll respond to you with uh, all the jazz. But these are the amount of shirt sizes we have left. So if you want a small, there's only two smalls left. So if that's your size and you want one, drop me a message so yeah, you, you can get, get one. you better get on it quick. <laughs> once they're gone, they're gone. Um for now, uh, nine well, mediums. Well, let, let's honestly say they're gone for a long time. Like yeah. this is a this this order is you know way over a thousand dollar order, and we are not placing another one until we sell a lot of shirts. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, we you know we we won't have more small for a while because you have you have to have a minimum order of like a hundred shirts to begin with so for them to be cheap yeah or for, cheaper. for us to actually like we, we we for us to actually you know order more we're gonna need to cross you know yep. that threat hundred threshold again which means we don't need to have we, we shouldn't have any stock left when we do that and we are we are probably gonna do other designs we might never even print this design again who knows you know what i mean We'll we'll see how it goes. So if you want one, grab one, and if you want a small, definitely grab one. Yep. Uh, mediums. We have nine mediums left. Um, Twenty larges, eighteen extra larges, eleven double XL, and for your big fellas or ladies, we have three uh, three XLs, and for your super fat people, we have no four XLs left. So sorry. Yeah, we are out. We are out of. Four XLs. We're and, out of the damn size. Yeah, we're and we're out of the like, hey, you little bitch size, which is the small. Um, so, yeah, we what what, you, what do we have mediums? We have nine mediums left. Oh, so we do have mediums. Yep. Okay. Nine. Okay. Um, that so but, yeah, the large and the extra large are the two sizes that we have the most up. Yeah, because it's the most popular size. <laughs> yep. Um, and. Yeah, but that yo, that is the shirts are on their way. Like the, the... they'll be in the first or the last Tuesday of the month. So May, well, they're supposed to be in the weekend of the twenty fifth. But it's Memorial Day, so I expect to probably have them on the twenty eighth, maybe sooner. You know, it's just when they come in, but mm-hmm. they will probably start shipping on the twenty eighth or the twenty ninth of May. I'm doing this all by myself, so please, people. I'm going to try and do them all in one day, get them all packed up in one day. But, you know, I'm going to write notes to everybody and everything like that. So it's going to take me some time to get everything done. So bear with me. I'm I'm hoping to do them all in a day or two. So yeah. I guess I'm doing them all by myself. So so that that's really awesome, man. And um, that, you know, that is just so cool that this is finally happening. I'm really excited. And it's also cool that it's successful because – even at this point, if we uh, didn't sell any more ever, which I doubt we will, I would still be happy that we had that much of a response in the first week. You know, yeah, we'll lose two hundred dollars, money wise. We would only lose not too much money. Yeah, it wouldn't <laughs> be too too bad. T-shirts. All right. Um, so with that said, uh, t-shirts. You could, you know, email Jeremy to get one. Uh, don't sleep on it because, like I said, it's only been like a week and we've already sold almost half of our inventory. So that's pretty crazy. Um, the other thing is, you know, obviously 
we're not going to keep doing a bunch of shows without moods. We just need to catch up. Um, so he'll be back. Uh, the other thing about him coming back is we are approaching our summer break. So as of right now, I don't think, are, are we going to take any requests for June? No. Okay. So, uh, we, we give you, you know, over half a month to know that we will not be taking any requests in terms of Patreon reviews for June. So if you Or July or August. Yeah. Yeah. Um, starting in June to through July through August, we'll be back in September. Um, well, we'll still be doing shows. We're still going to do shows throughout that time, but they're going to be few and far between because it's summer and Jeremy's work schedule gets really hectic and moods schedule gets really hectic. I'm usually available, but you know, I, am not going to do the show by myself. So, uh, we will be taking a break, um, from regular shows and the Patreon, like we do every year. People who have been on the Patreon for a while know we do this every single year. So, yep. And um, if you bounce and you're in one of those coveted tiers, remember you fucking lose your spot. So yeah, because the, the, the tiers actually are limited. Um, yep. most people don't bounce honestly. And I, I, it's truly amazing. We yep. love that. It's, it feels so good that you guys still continue to support us because y'all's support actually created these shirts because we would have never had this kind of money to drop on shirts had we not had money built up from the Patreon over the last two years. So we really, really appreciate the people who stick around during our off time. Um, we put a lot of hard work into this stuff, and you guys know it, and you guys definitely always seem to to – show love when when it comes down to it so we appreciate that but you know no worries if you don't want to pay for nothing either you know like if you just don't have the money or you know you really wanted to get something out of it then you know just bounce for a little bit and maybe when you come back your tier will still be open uh and if not you know you could get in line and and wait for the next one to pop up you know (laughs) and um we do appreciate it though man truly it's awesome Everybody just know that June 1st, when the the next, uh, you know, charge billing. comes through, yep. the next billing comes through, uh, we will not actually be doing reviews for uh, anybody who, you know, is still in that tier. Um, now, some people might ask, well, can you just do them when they come back, when you come back? And the answer is we would, but that would be like three months of like massive amounts of reviews added to the thing um what i was thinking of doing is like let's say we have a show plan like maybe we do like deep blue sea or something which is something jeremy wanted to do in july maybe we reach out to a couple people and have them just throw out that are still on the patreon have them throw out some suggestions for uh you know what we watch type reviews and then me you and moji just pick like one or two or three each you know what i mean yeah. That way it gives them something while they're waiting and it's not too much on us to do, you know, three extra or whatever. But yeah. that's what I was thinking. I haven't ran it by you guys yet, but um, we might do that. Right? Yeah, that sounds good. Deep Blue Sea 1 and 2. That's a, yeah, we, that's a summertime a, kind of show. Yeah, I've been wanting to do a Shark Week every year since, like, we did Jaws. But Yeah, that's, we, that's a shark kind of film, right? Mm-hmm. I hope so. Got a giant fucking shark on the front cover. Have you never seen them? No. Well, I've never seen the sequel, but the uh, original one's pretty fun. It's it, yeah. it reminds you of like an exact like like big budget like B movie almost that is like 
a, like a blockbuster kind of thing. So it's pretty cool. And when the Collector Three comes out, then we finally get to do those. Yeah, aren't you glad Trilogy we didn't show. wait, uh, waste it, and do one and two? Yeah, yeah, that'll be cool. So that'll be pretty cool. Um, that's just Moopy Peter boy. Oh yeah, that's all the housekeeping notes on like our side of things, but. We have this situation. You know what's so funny about this? So I'm sure if you're part of the group page, you realize this Peter dude um, from like, where is he from? Like Finland or something? Yeah, some weird, not weird country because there's a lot of awesome people there who, is from so many, Finland. Apparently there's a lot of awesome people from Finland. Because they bought shirts for like 40 bucks yeah. and they're awesome. Yeah. Uh, so he was um, a Patreon supporter. He was, and we appreciate it. Um, but he was also very... Weird. Weird and <laughs> honestly kind of annoying to a lot of people in the group page. Like a lot of people uh, messaged me personally and said that they haven't even been in the group page because they can't stand that dude. Um, other people have said like, hey, what's up with this dude? Like it, it's it, – I've actually probably – no lie, like not exaggerating. I've probably had five people actually bring him up to me in a private message and you know say that they weren't fans. Yeah. Um, and I know you've had some people say that as well. <laughs> yep. He was just weird posting all these weird things about Stephen King audio books and I mean that's fine. Hamsters stuff that's and, all related is fine. Yeah, but he posted like pictures with like him and his hamsters and like him wearing funny costumes and a whole bunch of other weird stuff. And it's like it just got a little bit old after a while, and it's like I just had I just had enough. And I've only banned one person. I banned Shankle, and I banned this guy, and I just banned him because. And if you go on the Facebook page and you see when I made a post today that I banned his ass, that there was like forty likes, and I never get that many likes on anything. So I wasn't the only one who was fucking feeling this about this guy. And so he sent this email, and he posted a post on exploding heads. Yeah, it's so that funny I how people it. like the like because didn't somebody else do that once too? They left our group and then went to Exploding Heads and posted about us in in Exploding Heads. It's funny how people <laughs> seem to like run over to Exploding Heads to talk. And then bad you have fucking us. fake ass Dave, and he's like, "Oh, you'll be welcomed here, and if you support our Patreon, we may even be even nicer to you." Fucking well, fake ass phony. He said that as long as you're not a crazy person or well he is a crazy person so he's gonna have the same fucking problems but he sent jp an eight point email about why he said he hates facebook and he's fine being black but he just wanted to clarify something and this is an eight point list and if you're a fan of the howard stern show it's very eric the midget kind of fucking list so let's get into this it's absolutely ridiculous but i said on the Exploding Heads page that I would read his list and go through them one by one and explain why I banned him. So number one, I was kidding, joking. Oh, yeah, and his English is horrible. I've already made fun of it. I was kidding, joking. Yeah, I fuck some hookers, but not very many. And obviously women hate me in general, right? It is called lying or trying to be funny. I don't, I don't even understand what that means. What that means. Uh, it's called lying? It, was okay, he lying what, about fucking hookers, or is he lying that women hate him? What I don't know. What what was what is he even referencing to? Because I didn't know what he. Well, was he says about. that like I think he said like he fucked like hundreds of women or something oh. like that or something like ridiculous like oh I can't get any pussy but this guy's banged hundreds of women or something like that. Oh, uh, Okay. Number two. Sorry, taking a drink of water. My focus is on horror fiction, not personal private relations. 
it is a pity with your intellect and knowledge of horror you do these ad homonyms attacks both on yourselves and others. What does that mean? So we mean? attack What's ourselves. An, uh, ad homonym. I don't know, but he says all these. He says it again like four more times. I know. I didn't know what that meant. Ad but like homonym. How do we attack ourselves and how do we attack others? Directed. Okay, attack- here's what ad homonym means: directed against a person rather than the positive they are maintaining. Okay. So we I do guess, that to ourselves. I, how do we attack ourselves? I don't know. I mean, I attack others, but we I attack only attack each other a little bit. <laughs> I attack phony others, like Cool um, Duder. He's a phony, and this guy. Okay, so he's saying that his focus is on horror fiction, which is what the group is. You know, it's like, yeah, if if he was just chilling in there, like, hey, I read this Stephen King audiobook. Like, what did you guys think of it? He's not doing things like that. Like, I can't reference exactly what he's doing, but he's saying he's like trolling hardcore, like all the time. Like he's yeah. constantly trolling. Like he'll he'll just post something like, you know, like, uh, this movie sucks, it's two out of ten or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's not, it's not funny like how Zach does. Which I don't think how Zach does it's yeah. very funny either. But um, where you know has Zach I mean? been? He hasn't said anything in a long time. I noticed. I don't know, it, but so I, my thing is like, if you're not worried about personal private relations, like why do you, why did you email me and leave me a thousand voicemails for so long? And why do you keep, why, why would you say like this podcast has saved your life? Uh, and, and different things like that. If, if you're not trying to have private relations or, or personal relations with, with the hosts and the people in the group and things like that, I feel like that he's honestly just wrong about that like he if he was focusing on listen nobody in the group gets banned for no reason like i yeah. i i have always said that the 22 shots is a group where you can pretty much do or say anything as long as you're respectful and not a complete asshole and if you and i how many times did i tell you guys to just ah, let it go let it go let it go and you guys did you let it go you let it go and moods I let it go is, for three months yeah moods is on the same page like he doesn't like peter either and I was the one that was saying, like, J- you know, just let it go. And I even PM'd him and was like, hey, dude, like, I'm getting messages from people in the group. Like, people are saying they don't even want to, like, come into the group because of you. And also, you know, I, I think Dave was, like, kind of harping on the fact that people were, like, making fun of him for a little while. He said that it went on way too long. But honestly, it's not that much. And it only was, like, hardcore for, like, two days. Yeah. Like most things, you know, they die off. But – you got to realize people were only doing that in response to him being an asshole. Like they were like, okay, this guy wants to troll me and be an asshole. So they went into his personal page, found some weird videos of him talking to his hamsters and then made fun of him. And honestly, like, is it wrong to make fun of people a little bit, but sometimes do people like they, like you can't complain that you're being made fun of when you do shit to annoy people. And then have it's like, obviously you're going to get repercussions to your actions. It's just yeah. the way that it should be and the way that it is. Uh, I didn't take part in it because I didn't find it very funny, honestly. And I, I didn't, I, I just am not interested in doing that. But like, I didn't stop it either because I, it's like he called it upon himself. Like you can't act a, like his whole, whole argument is like he gives us money so he should and he even said that before yeah i pay them money so i should be able to do what i want he said that he's literally said that in posts and it's like no dude (laughs) like i don't care about the money that much 
it's awesome, but it's like five dollars a month doesn't mean you, know, you could do whatever you want. Yeah. Number three, yeah. Jeremy had himself brought up his alleged virginity, and I was just joking about it. Okay, and uh, I mean, I don't remember that, but thanks for your point. Number four, at age 43, I don't see why I should hero worship people half my age, even if they are incredibly intelligent, human, humanistic, and so on. Yeah, but that's the thing. Nobody's asking you to hero worship us. In fact, I will encourage you not to. I don't like that. I don't want people to look at us like we're better than, better than thou, you know, holier than thou yeah. or whatever. Like, I am not... Like, yeah, we love... we Yeah, we joke around like, hey, we're the best podcast and stuff, but like... We're literally just regular dudes who happen to do a hot podcast and really like it. But yeah, do not look at us like anything, you know, hero like at all. We're definitely not. And I don't know where that even came from. <laughs> so maybe you feel like you were doing that and you feel like you shouldn't. If so, I agree. <laughs> Number five, I have not listened to episode 154 yet where I am allegedly mentioned, but I might do it one day. Good okay. for you. Well, yes, you might we want to add 159 you. to the list too. Yeah, because 154, everybody, if you've listened, that's the episode where we talked about the voicemail guy, and this is the guy who made all those voicemails. And honestly, like, we weren't harsh. Like, we weren't, like, bullying. Your voice was mean. just funny. You sounded like, oh, yeah, Jaisa, the fucking voice moods makes all the time. It's just yeah. funny. Like, and I we're not, like, like, you could listen back to that. Like, we were absolutely not being, like, bullies in any way or anything. We're, yeah, we're, like, poking a little fun at the dude because he left us so many voicemails. But, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, number six. Exploding heads have the same level of quality but without the fishes ad homs. So there's ad homs again. Okay. So, yeah, I agree. Exploding heads does have the same level of quality or maybe even more. I like exploding heads. It's one of my favorite podcasts. I don't see what that has to do with, you know, what, like, yeah, we are close shows, but like, there's other pod, there's like, what does that Hundreds. even have to do with anything? Like, why not say like, well, I uh, think they're saying like, because like, we're like co-podcasts, like they're not as vicious as we are, but it's like, we're just, we just have a different kind of show and that's just it is, the yeah, kind of character that I'm different. playing. Like people know me as like the asshole, annoying, pretentious person. And it's like, it's just. It's just that's the way we are, and Exploding Head doesn't have that. You have Brandon, and he plays that character, whoever he plays, and Dave yeah. and Christian's like that. It's just we're just a little bit more raw and and shocking compared to them. It's just the way that we we're are. We're definitely very unfiltered. Um, yeah. You know, we try not to hurt people's feelings that are not friends, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're not going to just make fun of some random dude who we don't know. Yep. But Unless like, his name is Brandon, it's fair game to make fun of. Yeah, and you're fair game of because you're on the pa Facebook page posting pictures of you kissing your hamsters and things like that. But, but to like, be fair, did you or me or Moods even bring any of that up? Like we never made fun of him for that. Everybody else was. Yeah, so the, I only made fun of that one photo of him wearing that like short shirt and short shorts, and he was wearing like the village people outfit. That was like the only thing I made fun of because it was ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know, man. If you have an issue with our, you know, I mean, there's, we have hundreds, thousands of people who have listened to the show and like, I don't think they have a problem with us being mean to them because we're not. Yeah, we're just joking around. Like Neil makes fun of us on a daily basis. 
Dude, Neil makes fun of me so hardcore. Yeah. Like, every day. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, like he it's always just funny. Makes fun of me. I don't care. All right, here we go. This is what JP just talked about. Number seven. I canceled the Patreon because although I hate Facebook, the act of removing me from the group is not compatible with me being a Patreon supporter. Okay. Bye. I mean, we just talked about that. Yeah, it's like it's just, just because you're a Patreon supporter doesn't mean you can do whatever you want and you can get the fuck out. Okay. Honestly, Number- I would rather not have your money, dude. Like, yeah. Because clearly, like, I mean, it, whenever I reach out to you and be like, hey, can you chill? And you don't, like, don't even respond to me. Okay, then. Then whatever yep. happens, happens, dude. I'm not telling Jeremy not to block you anymore. Hey, man, I gave it three months, and I made a group decision. For once, number eight, I experienced the same ad homs in chess martial arts as now in horror fiction. It would be nice if people could focus on the subject instead of private personal attacks. So what's the subject? You don't have any subjects. And what the fuck is chess martial arts? He's saying chess and martial arts. Oh. Hams and chess. Oh, well. Uh, and would be putable. Yeah, well, he, English isn't his first language, so we'll cut him some slack on that at least. <laughs> I mean, you don't have any subject, so it's like how we – I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean I, I disagree with what he's saying. Like, I All right, JP, and you finish just, it. What did he say about the – Okay, so he, he finishes by saying, would be nice anyway to hear your reasons for removing me. Well – we just gave them. You say something about Skynet? Also, I would like to warn you about this real-life Skynet Facebook. Should be used as seldom as possible. Regards, <laughs> Peter. See, like, that's – like, he's clearly – like, he's either has problems or he's, like, actually trolling us, like, hardcore all the time. Like, I don't know, man, but it's just too much. It's too much. Like, you well, can't If it wasn't for constantly... Facebook, we wouldn't sell 38 shirts, so he could go for yourself. <laughs> It is what it is, man. Yep. Like well, I, we, I tried to be tolerant. I tried to be nice to him. I tried to um, have you guys look the other way. But I mean, at a certain point, it's just like, okay, dude, like you're you're annoying everybody now. Peace. Yep. Peace. The fuck out. So that's that. That is that. So, I guess. We had a box office brawl that we posted on the Facebook page. Yeah, buddy. So, box office brawl for The Intruder. Absolutely awful movie. Uh, came out on May 3rd. Mood said 10 million. JP said 8.5 million. And I said 12 million. And the total was $10,855,054. So, this was a tight raise. If it was anything over 11 million, I would have won. And anything under 10 million, or. Anything over eleven million, I would have won, and anything under eleven million, Moods would have won. So Moods won by one hundred and forty-five thousand dollars. So Moods beat me, and did Moods you, beat. Did you do the scores yet? Or no? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. added the points. Yeah, so. should be four, four. Yep, that's right. So Moods beat JP, I beat JP, and Moods beat me. So now the ranking is Moods and JP are tied at four to four. I'm beating JP three to five. Me and Moods are tied four to four. So I'm only two points behind you. That's not too bad. Box office brawl chant twenty eight nineteen motherfuckers. We still got a long time to go. We're not even halfway through yet. Lots of stuff. Yeah. You want to do John Wick? I mean, Moods isn't here. I mean, on the, we'll do it on the page. On the Facebook page. 
You just want another way to get back. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We have reviewed John Wick on the podcast before. Just saying. All right. We'll do it on the Facebook page. All right. Uh, we have Brightburn coming up, Godzilla King of Monsters, Ma, all in May. and then Child's and Play, Annabelle Comes Home, which got moved up. In June. Four days. Uh, I know it got moved up to be like a few days after child's play so it's gonna be like the battle of the toys with toy story child's play and annabelle That's uh midsomar which is the new guy from hereditary's new movie oh, yeah, crawl uh crawl which looks awesome came out of nowhere and looks fun yeah yeah the boy two uh once upon in hollywood tarantino's new movie new mutants which got pushed back to 2020 yeah, so that's gone <laughs> uh scary stories to tell in the dark 47 meters down two it Chapter Two, Rambo Five, uh, an Dude, untitled. There's so many movies. You're telling me I can't come back. Look at an all untitled these Blumhouse flick, which they always do. Last year was Truth or Dare and Breaking In, so they always do these. These this first one comes out in September. Then we have The Joker in October, Zombieland Two, which I think got pushed back a week. I read that, so that's coming out the same. I think Zombieland 2 and The Addams Family flipped. So we have The Addams Family, the animated movie, uh, The Hunt, which is some horror film, um, another unnamed, untitled horror film, which comes out on the 25th. Terminator, Dark Faith comes out November. Doctor Sleep comes out November 8th. And the second untitled Blumhouse flick comes out December 13th. So maybe there'll be a holiday movie. That'd be cool. Star Wars Episode Nine closes out the year. Yeah, as and... Honestly, like there might even be other stuff that we're not even aware of yep. yet that they'll pop up. So that there's still plenty of catching up to do. I will be box office brawl champion in 2019, and I can't wait to prove it. So, all right, man, got to catch up. All right, I will. So uh, that's it for box office brawl. Um, I believe now we just have the what we watched before we get into our crazy amount of featured reviews. <laughs> yep, I'm gonna do some May stuff too. A couple, but a couple of what? May reviews, or I could throw in some other May? stuff, I guess. May, M A Y. Oh yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Um. So the the one thing that I'll say is I did not get to my one, only one April review that I didn't get to was oversexed rug suckers from <laughs> Mars from the homie Jellybane. Is that the guy that's always asking? Where? Yep. Okay, so he's gonna be upset. Uh, my bad, bro. Uh, I couldn't find it, but like. I will ask if you want to give me something else, I will do it. If you want me to do this, I will buy it um, because it isn't that much money. I just, it just, I really didn't want to buy that movie. <laughs> you know, just, I don't know, but um, I will either do something else for you or I will buy it. It's up to you. Just let me know. Uh, and next show I will follow through on that. Everything else I, I got to though in April. Yeah, buddy. So, do you want to go first? All right. Now, this is going to be a fun one because I watched this one like three weeks ago, and this is like not a good one to review three weeks ago, but it comes from Jelly Bane. It's All the Colors of the Dark from 1972. So, this is the Martino Giallo. Uh, a lot of people liked it, have talked about it before. It's been one of the more interesting Giallos, early Giallo, like I said, in 72. And uh, this is the Severin release, first time released in the U.S. uncut. So it's a very weird movie. It's not your typical Giallo like we think about today. It doesn't really have the black 
gloved killer and all that kind of stuff that we think about when we talk about giallos because like i said it's a pretty early one uh plumage was already out at this point but it's it's very a trippy weird movie and i know a lot of people like love it and i don't really understand why i think it's a little bit too weird and trippy and bizarre for me for my own taste it's a movie that is is very um avant-garde you don't really know what's happening what's real and what's fake kind of thing so we follow our main character um i can't remember the name she's she's feels like something's wrong going wrong and she's having like these visions of like these satanic uh rituals and um sexual uh tension dreams and things like that and one day she's approached by one of her neighbors and she gets brought to this cult in the middle of this castle that is supposed to you know help her you know because she's being followed now I remember she's being followed by like this guy and she thinks that he's a killer and that he's ultimately killing all these people around her and so she gets brought to this like this cult like castle very uh italian looking castle and in the basement of this castle they're doing all these um rituals and uh she gets thrown into this uh cult and then after this she starts having more and more of these uh incidents where she doesn't know what's real and what's fake and that's why i said it's very uh a film that you would probably have to watch multiple times to try and, and piece everything together because it's very uh dreamlike and and a bit confusing to be completely honest and i wasn't really too interested in the story to be honest with you <clears throat> I'm not the biggest fan of like what's real and what's fake kind of stories. It's not really my kind of thing. And like I said, it's, this is not too much going on in my opinion. People like saying it's like all disturbing and all this bullshit, and I really don't see it too much. And you know, everyone's like, oh, this is one of the better movies in '72. To be honest, '72 fucking sucks. I'm not saying that this movie sucks or anything like that. It has a really awesome soundtrack and things like that, and the themes are fine, but. You know, I just don't really like this one personally, so I still give it a 7 out of 10. Like I said, it's not like a bad movie or anything like that. I just didn't really enjoy it on a personal level. It's, like I said, it's well made and everything like that, so I didn't understand why some people would like it, but I wasn't the biggest fan of it. So what did you score it? 7. Um... I just picked that one up, and I'm with you, man. I'm not enjoying 72 that much. Like, oh, that's another thing. So that show's probably pushed till June or July at this point. Yep. Um, so, um, yeah, not not loving 72, really. Uh, so, okay, uh, I'm not doing this one first. I'll do that one second because I got to look more stuff up about it because I don't remember it. <laughs> that was me with that one. It's like it's already confusing as it is, uh, so I just watched it. Let's see. What's... Okay, tri- let's do Triangle 2009, which I thought that I have reviewed on this show before. Um, Aaron gave me this one. I'm pretty sure that I reviewed this before. If I didn't review it, I definitely have... Actually, you know what? I I didn't do a full review on it. I think it was in a Quick Cuts. Um, I, know so, it was, I know you reviewed it on the show. Yeah, it was in a Quick Cuts segment way back in the day, so... Um, Triangle. Um, it is a film that came out in 2009. It's set on a boat, which is, you know, Moods would love that. Moods is favorite, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and Triangle, Bermuda Triangle, I think you kind of get the picture there. Uh, it is 
a film that follows a, a young mother who decides to go um, on a date with this guy who owns a boat uh, with a couple of his friends. And she, you know, goes on this boat. Her son has special needs and she, you know, leaves him uh, at home with her, with his like school. Um, and they go to, they go on this boat, they're, you know, doing their things, you know, character development. And then all of a sudden the storm comes through and it kind of capsizes the boat. Um, they basically see a giant like yacht come up to them after they survive the storm and they climb aboard it. Uh, there, there is a hooded, um, kind of like potato sack, Jason like hooded, uh, killer on the boat who begins to shoot them with a rifle and then um you know this isn't giving away too much i guess but basically it's a deja vu situation like a groundhog day thing uh she basically um defeats the killer and then all of a sudden she sees out in the distance the same uh, boat coming in that her and her friends got on and she sees her and her friends on that boat. So they come onto the boat and, uh, you're ba she's basically trying to figure out why, uh, this is happening. Um, honestly, like the last time I saw this film, I didn't love it. I thought it was cool. Um, but I just didn't like it that much. I think I gave it a favorable rating and, and said that it was, you know, decent, but this time watching it, I liked it a little bit more. I think, uh, I was, it was less jarring, um, with like the whole end stuff. So I think that I enjoyed it a little bit more this time. Uh, it's, you know, cool concept. I always like the groundhog day theme and the, you know, try it, there's actually one really cool scene where you find like, she finds out like how long it's been going on because she finds like a room full of bodies of this one girl that keeps dying in the same way. So it's just like, there's a ton of her just dead bodies laying on the ground, which is, it's like, it's like a lot too. It's like probably like a hundred. It's really creepy. Um, I'd say that the, still the third act gets a little out there. Um, but overall pretty solid. I, I definitely liked it a little bit more this time. It was, it was a nice revisit. I gave it a seven out of 10. Seven out of 10. Yep. All right. Next up for me is a pick from that no good son of a bitch, Mikey Fisher. Uh, fortunately for everybody this month, it's actually a, not a bad movie. I mean, it's not like an amazing movie, but it's not like whatever fucking shit he gives me usually. But don't worry, folks. Next month we'll have another shitty pick from um, Mr. Mikey Fisher. This one's called Tiki from 2006, which we'll be talking about later on. But now we're going to be talking about Baby Blood from the year 1990, a French film that – I've actually never seen. I've been wanting to see. It's been out of print for so long, so I never really watched it because I was wanting to pick up a copy. But now I have to watch it. Baby Blood from 1990. So this movie's interesting. It's like a mix between Possession and like Rosemary's Baby or something like that. Some kind of uh, seed kind of movie, creature seed kind of movie. But we follow this woman. She works in this French circus, and um, one day. Uh, this like parasite kind of creature uh, crawls up into her one night and ultimately impregnates her and basically is growing inside of her and she has to uh, – this baby could – this parasite could control her and control her mind and pretty much do whatever it wants unless she uh, agrees to kill men and give it blood, a.k.a. baby blood. So basically the movie is just 
throughout her pregnancy. She's going around. She's killing men, and that's basically about it. There's not too much of the fucking story, and there's not too much going on. And the movie, sure, the movie's like bloody and gory and everything like that, and it has a lot of JP's favorite splatter kind of gore and stuff like that. But I just don't really see why people like appreciate this movie and like give it like a really like positive review. Like it's not like a bad movie or anything like that, but it's pretty average. And the story's pretty average, and it's pretty. You know, after a while, it gets old and it and it kind of drags at points. And the movie's not that long; it's only eighty-two minutes long. I just think like, oh, you know, it's just one thing. Like, well, two months later, now she has to kill more guys. Two months later, now the baby's bigger, and now it's maybe talking to her a little bit more, and it says something else to her, and then she seduces some other guy and she kills him to that kind of stuff. And you know, it's done in a very gruesome and over-the-top French kind of way. And that's basically about it. It would have worked good for something like Tales from the Crypt or some kind of anthology show. I think the story would have worked a lot better in a shorter, you know, 45 minutes to an hour kind of narrative. But with this, I just think it it kind of just falls flat, to be honest. Like I said, it's not a bad movie. It's not poorly made or anything like that. It's what you expect from a late 80s kind of a film. But, you know, I, I just didn't once again like it on a really big personal level i think everybody should probably watch it at least once i know jp you reviewed it on something probably netflix, netflix is chill but you know it is what it is to be honest um you know it's not it's not going to go up for me with the the french classics that i love so much but um i'm glad that mikey fisher gave me an actual watchable movie this month so i gave it a, a six and a half out of ten you know is what it is. All right. So moving on, uh, I have one of the one of the worst movies I've ever been given, probably. Ooh. And that is from Tony Hartman. Thank you, dude. <laughs> Welcome to my world, bitch. Uh, this film is called Urban Massacre from O2. Um, and I was watching it, and I was like, man, this reminds me of Hip Hop Witch. And it's then by the same guy, right? It, I looked it up, and it is it, it is by Mr. Dale Restegheny, <laughs> and he, in fact, directed the Hip Hop Witch two years before this film. This was actually his third film, and the rest of his career looks to be music videos. Like he actually he's made Guns and Roses Guns and Roses music video. Um. And he's also made Hip Hop Witch. Lil Kim, Tyga. It's a couple of, you know, I guess, you know, bigger names. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, so the one positive about this movie is that it is nowhere near as bad as the Hip Hop Witch. Because um, this film actually at least has somewhat of a plot. And yeah. it's like slightly coherent and it's not just a bunch of people talking. <laughs> um, and then you have Ice Cube be the Hip Hop Witch at the end. Or not Ice Cube, Ice... Vanilla Ice. Yeah, Vanilla Ice. Don't disrespect Ice Cube like that. All right. Um, so Urban Massacre, I, I, I assume Tony had to have given this to me because he knew that this guy. I don't know if Tony has seen this. It would surprise me if he has. No, he says that he's trying to give you – he's going to give you a movie, a worse movie every month until you find something worse than Beneath the Mississippi. Oh, come on, Tony. That's what he told me. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> So this is, um, it's not, 
It's not. And I will be honest about this. If you do that, I will tell you if it is worse than Beneath the Mississippi. And this is nowhere near worse than Beneath the Mississippi. This is a lot better than Beneath the Mississippi. Um, so Urban Massacre uh, follows a hip-hop group, the Supernat Trolls, uh, <laughs> starring Ivy, Crumb, Snatcha, Remedy, Dia, Baby Sham, and there's a killer clown. The movie is a killer clown movie, actually, which is actually probably the coolest part about it. Um, so honestly, dude, like, I don't remember, like, I, this is the first one I watched and I watched this probably, um, shoot, let me see where my, where I, uh, put it out on my, on my letterbox. It was, it was definitely a grip ago. Uh, I watched it on April 18th. So almost a month ago, uh, for a movie that was so light in content to begin with. I don't remember much, but I think it had to do with this rap group who were either trying to get signed or they were already signed. And then there's this killer clown that's like starts picking people off. Uh, and the, all the kills are like off screen or like, you know, there's no gore, but there are like a decent amount of kills, but it's, there's, they're just so weak because it's just like the clown holds the knife up. The clown stabs them in the stomach and it's a shot of their face. Like, ah, I'm stabbed in the stomach, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And then, um, on top of that, probably the best part of the movie and this part kind of sucks too is that every like 15 minutes or so you have a uh basically a music video like it's just the rap group performing on stage uh i assume this was a real rap group um or at least these people were real rappers because it's actually not horrible music um you could tell they're like you know, legit musicians, not just like making stuff, not like, not Ad like lipping. Leprechaun in the hood, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, it seems like, Why, this, you don't like Postmaster P? No. Um, so <laughs> I assume that these were like underground rappers who were, you know, maybe trying to use this film as a, uh, performance platform from <laughs> Dale rest a guinea <laughs> uh because you know that it seems like they it, se it honestly seems like a movie that was like maybe these people were on a record label and like they're like let's make this move like movie to promote you guys or something and you know this came about it's absolutely atrocious it's a terrible terrible movie um it's one of definitely one of the worst movies i've seen but it's still it's really? better than the hip-hop witch and it's better than beneath the mississippi um, but it is really bad because there's just nothing to it. It's just like the clown mask is so cheap. It's like literally a mask. Like it's just a, a Halloween they mask. They walked in the spirit Halloween and bought a mask. Yeah, pretty much. And um, this film came out October 31st of 2002. You know, big release date. Um, Halloween at your Hollywood video store, you know? Yeah. Which, you know, surprisingly, some of the actors in this film actually have like IMDb profile pictures, which is pretty mm. crazy. Like, um, like this one person seems like, like she's in power, like the 50 cent th TV show mm -hmm. and she's in, yeah, but is she like, is she like background videos? woman number eight or something? No, it seems like, like she, she was in, um, does she have a character she's name in like 42 episodes? Yeah. Like Keisha Grant. All right. That's legit then. Yeah. Like she's actually it, like, she was in law and order. Um, she's in, uh, she was in Ricky Lake. Oh, the charm school with Ricky Lake. 
<laughs> All right. So she's actually in like she's in like an episode of Sex in the Hit City. It's kind of crazy that she actually went on to do something with her life. <laughs> uh, like props, because that would be hard with this damn movie movie yeah that, well that imagine just... if matthew mcconaughey didn't do anything after texas chainsaw 4 yeah but at least texas chainsaw 4 is watchable you know yeah uh so yeah i would probably say that this film is really awful i would say that don't watch it you know um although it is a technically a slasher which is it's a killer clown slasher which is something i guess uh because like certain people just want to see every slasher ever so uh, only this, get this. Only two hundred and forty-eight people have rated it on IMDb. Well, and probably two hundred and forty of them are the family members of the dude. Yeah, it has exactly. a one point six out of ten on IMDb. Ooh, that is low. Yeah, that's really low. And considering that you know, it's got only it's been out since two thousand two and only has like under four hundred people actually rating it is pretty impressive because you know that means that not many people have seen it or you know um yeah it has 20, 17 people have watched it on letterboxd that's not that many <laughs> no <laughs> and it looks like there's three reviews and mine is one of them <laughs> which is actually pretty impressive because there's only four reviews on imdb anyway um there's no way that I could give it more than a three out of ten. I'd say two point five. It's higher than I thought it would be. Yeah. You know what? All right. Not. Nah, you know what? It's it's a two. I'm gonna give it a two. All right. Two it is. Yeah. Cause I, I was thinking about it. I gave Halloween Resurrection a two and a half, and that's even better than this. <laughs> so, uh, it's a two. All right. Next up for me, pick from. Good friend Dave, aka Mr. Park, uh, from the best year of horror of the 90s, 1993. It really is. We Not even just because it's my birthday year, it's just because it really is a good year of the 90s. We have Clean Shaven. This movie is amazing. An underrated gem of a film. You can get this from Criterion, but, um, you know, it only has 10 fans on Letterboxd. But this movie's fantastic. So we follow this main character, Peter. Peter. Uh, suffers from schizophrenic schizophrenia and one day he he get, he's in jail for some reason we don't really know why but he gets released from jail and um he's focused on trying to find his daughter and um he's he's focused on getting it back from uh the person who adopted her after he got thrown into jail we don't know who the mother is or anything like that but we have well, the real mother. We we don't know who the real mother is, but uh, she has a relationship with the grandmother. So, you know, there's some kind of uh, family ties between this man and his daughter. So right when he gets out of jail, you know, he's having a schizophrenic episode and he ends up uh, murdering a little girl. And um, he ends up burying her. And now, now the movie turns into a murder investigation kind of movie, law chase kind of film. But we really just follow Peter and his struggle with his mental disease and trying to find his daughter. And the way that it uh, depicts, depicts schizophrenia is like amazing. It's, it's so fucking well done because you feel for this character because he has, you know, he, he, he's tormented by not being able to see his daughter 
And he's tormented with this fact that, oh, now maybe he knows what he did when he murdered this girl. He knows that he killed her. So now he's tormented with that. And he's dealing with all these problems that he has in his head. I mean, it's just an amazing, amazing fucking movie. Amazing performance by uh, Peter Green, who, you know, is a pretty well-known actor. He was in Pulp Fiction and Mask and Training Day and all these other films. You know, he's a pretty, pretty good character actor. And uh, he stars in this movie, and he just does an absolutely amazing, amazing job. Um, you know, I'm, this is like an old school uh, Criterion release film. It doesn't have a Blu-ray, from what I see. It's just like an old school Criterion release. But um, yeah, you should definitely check this out. That's like that much of a horror movie. Like, sure, it has a murder, but it's like it's just more of a character study and following somebody who has schizophrenia and how they deal with it and uh, you know, once again, what's real and what's not real because we see that uh, we see through Peter's eyes. So we don't know um, some of the things that he may be seeing and things like that. And uh, he has a relationship with his mother, but you could tell it's not that, um, you know, it's not that well knit. You know, he you could tell his mother loves him, but, you know, she she treats him like an outsider. And I think that once again kind of, you know, adds to him his torment and things like that. It's just really, really good. Um, a film that I probably would have never seen before if I wasn't given to it by Dave. I'm really appreciative that he gave this movie to me because it's um, it's really, really good. I think everybody should check it out. Short, 79 minutes. Um, you should go check it out. I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. It's really, really fucking good. Um, hidden gem for sure. And um, it's awesome. Clean Shaven from the year 1993. <coughs> what was the rating? Oh my god, don't you fucking listen. Did you give it? I don't think you Eight did. and a half. Okay. Alright, um, so moving on next up here, we have my Mikey Fisher pick. This film is Infestation from the year 2009. I actually owned this on DVD and I actually have seen it before. Uh, basically it follows a sort of slacker telemarket guy, uh, named Cooper, uh, who is at work and then he's about to get fired when all of a sudden, uh, an extremely loud sound happens and Cooper faints. And when he wakes up, uh, there's basically cocoons and webbing all over the place. And, uh, there's these like beetle creature bugs that are, you know, probably about the size of like. Mm, probably say like a big dog, maybe a little <laughs> bit bigger than that, you know? Uh, and he has to fight his way through that. Um, he eventually runs into his boss's daughter. Who's, you know, the love interest of the film, uh, and a group of survivors. Um, and they basically have to, uh, travel and, you know, figure out how to save themselves and survive this infestation, and uh, kill these bugs and things like that. Uh, eventually, he goes to his father's house, who's like this military guy who's like not very proud of his son and kind of has a rocky relationship with his dad and things like that. Uh, so, yeah, this film is <laughs> it's actually pretty fun. Um, the the bugs are there's some practicals, but there's a lot of CGI too. Uh, it actually feels quite big budgeted, considering like I don't know who made this film, but it, it feels like it had like a couple million dollar budget, I would say. 
which is kind of crazy. It's not a sci-fi movie quality. No, no, it's it's better than that. It's like Ray Wise is in it too. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's actually like feels kind of, uh, and Chris Marquette is the lead, isn't he? Somebody, is it in something? Oh, he's gotcha. in Freddy vs. Jason: The Girl Next Door, Alpha Dog. He was in a bunch. I of just picked stuff. up. I gotta watch Alpha Dog. It's good. Keep on raving about it, so it's finally great. picked it up. Yeah. yeah, so he was in a bunch of stuff. Um, yeah, he was in Weeds. He was in, uh, yeah, he's in. Yeah, he's actually in quite a fanboys. He's actually in quite a lot of movies. Um, so, it, you know, it, the the film itself is is not too bad. Like it's it's a little cliche. It's definitely B movie like, but. Uh, there's, you know, some fun bug kills and, and stuff like that in it. And, um, it's very, you know, paint by not like it's the blueprints there. Like it's not going to have any surprises in it at all. Um, it kind of has the same arcs that you'd expect. Um, this one, the one like hot girl, like the hot girl type that's in it, um, tries to seduce Cooper and she like basically just takes off shirt and stuff so there's a little gratuitous nudity there and um, a good nudity honestly like i thought her boobs were like really f- like the, the fake ones looking. that look super fake yeah um so i wouldn't say great but it kind of fit her character so it kind of made sense um and yeah i would say that it's a pretty fun watch honestly like it's a creature feature that is i remember liking it the first time i seen it it's been a long time since I've seen it. I've probably seen it like 2013. I like I noticed that now when I'm watching all the like, there's such like a rejuvenation of horror movies in the movie theater. But like, that's the one thing that seems to be like a dying thing is the nudity in the horror movie. Like when you like really like think about it, like you oh, rarely like see it anymore. Nudity or just like boobs in general. Like, yeah, you never see boobs anymore. In Friday fucking... the 13th, man. Oh nine, that one, <laughs> that one had a lot in the lake. Yeah, yeah in the lake, in the house, and but like the last like three years, like really like no nudity. Like, yeah, I there's, can't really there's think like, of any. Like there's like a lot of nudity in Harmony Corone's new movie, but that's because he's Harmony Corone. But like nudity wise, it's like man, I can't think of any movies horror wise that has nudity in it anymore. Yeah, I, I I honestly can't. It's like dead. No more nudity, which is like such a staple of like the eighties, you know? Yeah. Like you have to have boobs or something, but it's like now it's like I literally can't think of the last theatrical horror movie I seen that had like nudity in it right now. Yeah. It's kinda crazy, right? It is. It is kinda crazy. I'm gonna be paying attention to that now. <laughs> yeah. Um but I give this Even film... Climax didn't have nudity in it. It's like Did it not? No. Jeez. Yeah. Well that one girl's that one girl you could her shirt was super see-through that's probably <laughs> yeah uh the asian chick yeah yeah uh so i would probably give this film honestly it's not amazing or anything but it is fun and uh, i would give it like a solid you know like 6.5 out of 10 six and a half out of 10 all right speaking of mainstream horror movies let's talk about an enormous turd, and that is The Intruder from the year 2019, <laughs> starring Dennis Quaid. Oh, boy. What a piece of donkey duty this movie is. Like, it's really, really, really fucking bad. And it's really, like, formulaic. Like, it's literally the same thing happens again and again and again and again and again until, like, the last 10 minutes of the movie. And then it has, like, 
one of the most absolute retardedest fucking things I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it's even more retarded than, like, crew there, this fucking, the door that opens up, it leads right to their driveway, and they never knew it was fucking there. Like, get the fuck out of here. That, that, that's spoiler territory. But we basically follow this couple. Um, this guy's, like, a huge advertising guy, and he is part of this huge firm, and they're looking to buy a house. Um, this His annoying bitch wife, who's absolutely retarded um, and uh, absolutely horribly acted um she wants this new house and all this kind of stuff she writes for a woman's magazine all this kind of stuff and they decide to buy this house from dennis quaid's character <coughs> who's you know the neighbor kind of nice neighbor kind of person like how you doing uh nice he you could tell that he loves his house and um so they buy the house and um as the film goes on dennis quaid's character charlie visits the house again and again, and again, and again, and again, over and over and over and over and over again. And the wife's like, oh, what's up, Charlie? Every time and the husband's like, there's something wrong here. But the wife's just like, hey, what's up, Charlie? Oh, Charlie's like, hey, I brought you pizza or, oh, I brought you a bottle of wine or, oh, I brought you pie for Thanksgiving. It's the same fucking thing over and over and over again. And, you know, you may get like a little plot detail about Charlie there, here and there. But it's literally the same fucking thing for an hour and 40 minutes until like the last 10 minutes where Charlie loses his mind and you get your typical horror home invasion kind of bullshit. And like I said, there's one fucking part at the end that's just, oh, my God, it's absolutely fucking horrendously retarded plot point wise. And I know you probably have an explanation for it. But I think it's absolutely bullshit, uh, one part of where Charlie's hiding in this house. I mean, it's just absolutely bullshit. Wait, the, the, you mean where the... he's hiding and she fucking is in his lair and she opens the fucking door when he's standing by the car when she's supposed to be inside taking a shower. Mm-hmm. And the door is clearly on the driveway. Mm-hmm. So how the fuck did they never see that door? And never even fucking investigated where the hell that door goes to when it's clearly a prominent door because well, it's like right on it's the like, side of it's like a hatch in the ground. No, it's a fucking door. Yeah, they, door. she came out. The hatch is in the building. And then but she don't you came think she would like door. open the door? They would have opened the door and know that door was there at she, some point. Yeah, they did know the door was there because Charlie pulled stuff out of there earlier in the film. That wasn't the garage though where he was. No, 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 no. He he gets like a bag of something out of the out of that that little shed thing. Oh, maybe I wasn't paying attention then. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought this movie was complete and utter ass bags. It had horrible acting. Like, sure, Dennis Quaid is trying to put his best. It was uh, horrible um, acting. Did you exaggerate with that stuff? No, the guy's horrible okay. Acting. The guy's okay. The wife is fucking awful. I'm sorry. She is god awful when she's awful. like crying and all that bullshit. Like, it's bad. And Dennis Quaid's trying to be all fucking Nick Cage because, you know, Nick Cage is in this wild and crazy over the top kind of acting phase right now. And I, well, not right now, you know, over the last few years. So I think Dennis Quaid is trying to channel his Nicolas Cage. And I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see Dennis Quaid in more of these straight to DVD, Blu ray kind of movies where he plays this kind of crazy ass kind of character. And like, Sure, he's the best part of this movie and everything like that. You know, you don't really see Dennis Quaid too often in movies anymore like you used to back in the day. So it's nice to see Dennis Quaid again. But this movie is complete ass bags. I wouldn't see it. 
Um, and I'm not, I didn't say anything about racism, so everybody trying to bring up mine, I'm giving it a shitty review because it's a black-based movie. That's some bullshit. Don't bring up my Purge review because my Purge review is actually legit. But this movie is just complete in other aspects. I gave it a 3.5 out of 10. It sucks. <clears throat> I liked it. I thought it was pretty pretty solid. I thought that there was a lot of bad aspects to it. It was very cliché. Um, but you know, it is a thriller. It's, it's just a basic thriller. I thought the one difference was that I liked was the fact that, uh, you know, this, this black characters who were, um, very rich, like it, they they paid like $3 million for the house. So it kind of added a different spin to it. And, and it kind of made sense why the guy got rid of the house, but didn't want to. So I was like, okay, that's kind of actually interesting. Um, I thought Dennis Quaid was pretty creepy at times. Like the, uh, when he, when she, that scene that you didn't, you know, had an issue with, I thought when he notices her and like runs at her, it was like actually kind of creepy. Um, and then also, let's talk about the slow-mo bro. I don't know. I I think my biggest problem with the film was a couple of plot holes. Like, um, one of the plot holes involving, um, the, the husband being in a hospital and he like lets his wife go home when he's worried about this. It didn't make sense. Um, I feel like the movie started off a lot strong and stronger. And as it went on, it went downhill further and further. I think I ended up giving it like a six. No, that's what Carly gave it to. Yeah. I don't know. This is definitely, I mean, this is, this is a, this is a thriller. Like it's it's not like we have opinions with these kind of mainstream movies. Like, I didn't really like Truth or Dare. I wasn't a big fan of Breaking In, which I heard the unrated cut of Breaking In is a lot better because they cut I a lot of – I think this movie like, is better than Breaking In. Yeah, do you think so? Yeah, I didn't uh, – it really wasn't good. I didn't yeah. like Breaking In, if you don't remember. I gave it a like a five or something. Yeah, I think um, I gave it about that too, but – But yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I just think that like – I never think movies are is that bad. I guess, like, yeah, it it wasn't amazing or anything, but I didn't think it was that bad. It was pretty. It was. I, I didn't think it was above things. average. Well, I mean, I watch a You'd... lot of bad movies, so I don't. know. I guess so. You don't really review them, though. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't. I don't really. I never really see many movies in the theater that I think are a below average. Because yeah. I feel like they're. I feel like they're always above what you get on direct to video usually. So, but not necessarily. I mean, there's tons of great indie stuff now too. So I don't know, but yeah. anyway, uh, moving on to my next one here, uh, we have 1972 Alfred Hitchcock directed frenzy. You ever see this? No, really? Well, it's probably one you want to watch for 72. I'll just tell you that. Is it a horror movie? It actually honestly is like, it's, it's not a straight horror movie, but I would, I was expecting it to be less horror than it actually was. So, uh, basically it follows this guy who is, um, sort of not the, the best person. He, um, is, seems to have alcoholic tendencies. He works in a bar. Uh, the film opens up with him getting fired essentially from the bar. Um, he, uh, there's, it's set in, you know, some English town and there's a necktie killer on the loose. Like, there's a they, they keep finding these bodies washing up in the river and stuff, uh, naked women uh, who have been strangled with a necktie, and it's later revealed a little bit later in the film that they've actually been raped too. 
Uh, so it's a rape film, which is it like surprised me actually. Um, so basically, uh, if Jeremy would stop moving his bed around, dude, you were just fucking typing. Don't give me that shit. Was I? I didn't say anything. I, I don't remember typing. You were you were tapping something, and I'm not doing. I'm sitting in my chair. Ain't my fault. The fucking mic's super sensitive. Um. So. Basically, this guy goes and visits his ex-wife, who he has a rocky relationship with. He has this, um, you know, they've been divorced for a while. And to get the divorce, he apparently, this comes up later in the plot details, um, to make the divorce, like, less annoying to deal with. Like, I don't know how, you know, divorces in England are. But essentially, he said that he was abusive towards her or something, but he wasn't. And, you know, they just said that so the divorce would be, like, finalized faster or something. Um, and But he, he isn't, like, the best guy. Like, he's he's and he seems like an alcoholic, and he's slacking in life. Like, that's his... He's, like, jealous that his wife has a successful business and stuff. It's actually kind of weird to see that that's our lead character, is this guy who's actually not that good. Um, and essentially, uh, he leave he he leaves his wife's office one day in like sort of like a rage like fit of rage kind of thing um and the secretary who's out in the front like noticed that um so it's like foreshadowing uh and essentially this guy the killer the necktie killer goes into his wife's office later and essentially rapes and murders her um there's actually he actually rips her shirt off and like there you see her like breasts and stuff which I was it's just I, I don't know I hadn't seen a ton of Hitchcock movies and most of his older stuff I've seen where that type of stuff you know they didn't even flush toilets back then yeah. so like it actually surprised me that you know there was one nudity and two like a rape scene although the rape scene was kind of tame and it really puts things in perspective where this film came out in 72 last house on the left also came out in 72 it kind of shows like how much more brutal last house on the left is than a film like this that had a rape scene, but it's like almost like a clothed, like the guy does like, he doesn't like the, the camera isn't even on him. It's showing the woman and you're hearing the sounds. Um, so it's very, it's shot very, you know, yeah. weird. <laughs> like not, res yeah. Like it just tame. It's shot yeah. tamely. Um, and so, Basically, this guy, you know, gets away with it and the, the husband is coming back to the office at the same time and essentially so the one, the secretary sees him come into the office. So it's it's classic Hitchcock, you know, uh, wrongly accused man situation where the husband is accused of murdering his wife and being the necktie killer. The Scotland Yard is after him and. Um, it's, it's hit up to him and, uh, his girlfriend to try to, uh, you know, prove his innocence. And it, it, it's classic Hitchcock stuff. I will tell you this, man. Um, there's some interesting, you know, filmmaking techniques in this film. Um, there's at one point, um, we know the wife has been murdered in this office. Uh, and we follow the secretary on her way back to the office and, you know, it gets to the office door, the, the, the office, you know, outside the building and the camera stays and the woman goes and you're just waiting. The camera's just in a still shot, like of the alleyway. And, you know, it goes on for quite a while. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's coming you hear this scream. And I'm just like that, you know, that's classic Hitchcock filmmaking right there. You know, like just cool stuff like that. 
um, suspenseful, awesome stuff like that, that, that is really neat. Um, you know, it, it, I, I think that, you know, there's a lack of mystery in this film actually, cause you kind of, you learn who the killer is early on and you know who he is, like the rest of, you know, obviously you know who he is and there's like no secrecy with this film really. It was kind of, I didn't expect it to go that way, but it's actually really good. Like frenzy is a good movie. Um, Hitchcock, you know, awesome as always. Um, kind of, it was a movie that I didn't expect in the Hitchcock filmography, which I am slowly working my way through. Uh, so I was really glad to get this film. And honestly, I would say that it is like, I'm actually surprised because you always hear psycho and the birds, psycho and the birds those are the two horror films. Sometimes you'll hear like rear window thrown in there or something, but I'm actually surprised more people don't mention this film as a horror film. Cause it, I mean, it's a rape serial killer film. It's, not directly, you know, it's more thriller, but it, 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 it clearly is more horrific than, you know, some of his other films. Like, so I'm actually surprised more people don't lump this in there. Um, but yeah, I, I give it an 8.5 out of 10. It's really good. Damn, it's a high rating. Yeah. I think you would dig it. All right. I'll give it a watch. So got two more, right? All right. Um, two more. All right. I guess I'll do two may films i have uh, uh, three more three more don't you have dead ringer seven. don't you have dead ringer and coherence and and in the apocalypse oh you're gonna do that one too yeah okay three more uh this one comes from aaron perfect blue from the year 1997 so movies reviewed this movie <coughs> a little while ago this is one I've heard about for a while. This is an anime film from Japan. It's one that everybody talks about. And here we go. This is another movie about what's real and what's not real. And, uh, you know, it's a movie that if you watch multiple times, you, of course, will pick up on more things. Um, <clears throat> Darian Aronofsky was clearly influenced uh, by this movie when he made Black Swan. You can clearly tell there's a lot of similar themes in this movie compared to that film. Um, you could clearly see that, you know, he's seen this multiple times. See JPM coughing, even though I'm not trying to stall. Um, so we followed this uh, pop singer. She's in this very popular um, pop band in Japan, this trio. And, you know, she is wanting a change. Well, she really doesn't want to change. Her manager wants a change and he wants to try and make her into an actress. And I guess in Japan, uh, pop stars aren't really respected when they make the jump into acting or they never really do. They're never really looked at as an actress. They're always looked at as a pop star. And there's this really, um, we're introduced to this guy. He's a very creep, creepo kind of a character. He's a little bit of a stalker. He runs this website about this, our main character and things like that and talks about her and things like that. And one day she gets um, offered a scene in a TV show, like this huge rape scene. And, you know, it's, it's very hardcore. And, uh, you know, her publicist and her, and her agent doesn't want her to do it because, you know, of course, it's a rape scene and people see her as this pop star. And she agrees to do it anyway because she wants to, um, you know, make her acting career go farther. And this fucks her up 
<coughs> in the head. And, um, you know, now she's pretty much hallucinating and seeing a past image of herself uh, when she's still a pop star. Because deep down inside, that's clearly what she still wants to be. And she can't um, uh, uh, separate this image of herself that she has in her mind and what she really is in real life. And that's where we have like these intertwined scenes of what's real and what's kind of fake. We see her in one scene, but then she wakes up and is a dream. And then we see another scene where we may be able to assume it's a dream, but it's actually real and that kind of stuff. And like I said, it's a movie that you probably would have to watch multiple times to fully grasp everything and like notice it and piece together what's really going on and um, respect the movie a little bit more. It's definitely a multiple watch kind of film. Like I said, this movie is insanely, insanely popular. It has a 4.2 out of 5 average on Letterboxd with like 5,000 reviews. So it's like an insanely popular uh, 47,186 reviews, and it has a 4.2 out of 5 average. So (laughs) it's a very popular, respected film. Um, It's not a bad movie or anything like that. I enjoyed it for what it was. It just, once again, wasn't my cup of tea personally, but... I still gave it a seven. I know people are going to fucking be throwing their pop out of their mouths right now by that rating, but that's just what I see. And maybe if I give it another watch down the line, I'll give it a higher rating. But right now, I just, I guess give it a seven out of ten. That is a perfect blue from 1997. All right. Perfect blue, 1997. Uh, so. Th- the next film I guess I'll do is Anna and the Apocalypse. Um, this film is a film that I believe you saw in the theater last year. Yep, on Christmas time. Yeah. Um, it is a comedy, horror, zombie musical, essentially. Uh, and it follows Anna in her town of... It's an Irish, I think. I think it's an is Irish. That Irish? Movie. I thought it was British. Maybe it's British. Um, let's see, where is in in the apocalypse from? It's UK, yeah. So British. Okay. Um, they did film in Scotland though. Okay. Uh, so yeah, this film follows uh, Anna and her high school friend. Is it high school? Yeah, I think it's high school friends. Yeah. Uh, and they are, you know, basically trying to do their stuff. Like her friend is, um, like kind of in love with her. She has a boyfriend. Um there's another girl who's trying to do like this social justice warrior thing and and get it past the principal and things like that. And, uh, essentially, uh, it's a musical. So they sing through the movie a lot of what's happening. And uh, basically the zombie apocalypse starts. Um, and I would say that people that compare this film to Shaun of the dead, I know you're probably going to see like Shaun of the dead means high school musical or something, you know, like a lot of that stuff. I would say it's actually warranted in this case because it, especially the opening where she's like walking or mm-hmm. like singing through the town and all yeah. the horrors happening in the background. It reminds you of that opening scene in Shaun of the Dead. Where sure. He's, uh, but that's not a bad thing. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a great thing either because I just feel like it was done better in Shaun of the Dead because it's satirical in saying like, look, we don't pay attention to uh, the world around us. While in this film, it's just doing it yeah but do you th- i guess so but don't you feel like anna is a character that his life's kind of shitty and there's not that much right going for her i don't yeah, know but I that doesn't that necessarily be... mean that you're like lazy and not paying attention to the world 
which is yeah, but it's a fucking musical, yeah. man. Yeah, how, I know. how else would that scene work of her like noticing all the shit going on? It's a fucking musical. Well, that's the problem with musicals is that they that it doesn't make sense that the characters are singing. Um, you but know that's I mean? the fucking point of musicals, bro. I know. I'm not saying it's not. I'm, I'm answering your question on how it would have worked. Well, it would have just worked because musicals do that. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you just have to accept it. Except, well, I don't have a problem with it. I'm just saying okay. that it, it that that it wasn't clever like it was in Shaun of the Dead. It was just it was doing something that Shaun of the Dead did, except for in a less clever way. Do you get what I'm saying? Sure. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, I, I think that the the core of any musical is the songs, right? Like it has to have good songs. I feel like about half of them were solid, like fun, entertaining. I like songs. the lunchroom song. I like my favorite one is the one where they're ki- like t- he, the dude's like singing about how he's a badass zombie killer. Yeah. Or whatever. Like he's like, I forget. I don't remember the words at all. But Her ex-boyfriend. Yeah. Like he's, yeah. he's like a zombie slayer or something. Yeah. I, I thought, and they, he even does that song later. Cause it, it's kind of cool. Cause it, you know, he's killing zombies at the time and it's like fun. Um, but yeah, the lunchroom song was cool too. I think that, I think the the first half of the movie had like pretty fun, cool songs. Second half, half of the film, I I felt like it really overstayed its welcome and I didn't, I I was not as into it as, I think seeing this in a theater would have probably definitely helped with the loud music and this, and the songs than seeing it at home on a regular TV. Um, because it just kind of got boring about halfway through the movie where I just wasn't interested in, in it that much. Cause like once you get past the, the uniqueness of the musical aspect, is it really a strong zombie film? No, the musical was, but the it's best not a part. zombie movie. It's a musical. It is a zombie movie though. It literally says on the cover, a zombie Christmas musical, but it's a musical first and foremost. Exactly. That, and that's like... the best part of it. And then the zombie stuff is just basic and it's, I really wasn't that, I didn't find it that funny because it's comedy. I would say, would you say? Sure. I I didn't find it, you know, very, very funny either. You didn't like the bowling alley scene? Yeah. Yeah. But I I mean, overall, like as a whole, yeah, there's like decent scenes in it and stuff like that. But you know, these movies aren't for me and I'm not against musicals. Like I love, uh, the, the movie Cry Baby with Johnny Depp, that's a musical. Um, they're not really my cup of tea, but I have seen musicals that I like. Um, Willy Wonka, awesome musical. That ain't no musical. It's not? It has songs in it. I don't think it's a musical. It doesn't have, like, huge dance numbers. Like, musicals, like, associated with, like, a lot of people and huge over-the-top dance numbers. And You think? choreography and things like that i don't think Willy wonka's a musical what about the wizard of oz nah what i think like singing in the rain those kind of movies uh west side story uh okay well i turns out i like the ones that are i don't know (laughs) wizard they dance in wizard of oz yeah I guess so. I guess, I think Wizard mid, of Oz. All the little people coming out and, and yeah, uh, I, I guess so. I guess Wizard of Oz more than Willy Wonka, in my opinion. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I I've always just considered musicals they sing in the movie, but I guess I guess there's more. I guess you have to dance yeah. too. 
yeah, and there's a lot of people, and it's more involved than just singing a song. I don't know. That's just the way I see it. I don't see Willy Wonka as a I musical. I mean, to be fair, it is classified as a musical on Wikipedia and IMDb. So, just saying. Willy Wonka? Yeah. Well, it says, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is a 1971 American musical fantasy family film. I don't see it. <laughs> Whatever. Right. I guess Wake Up Charlie's a little bit musically. Cheer Up Charlie, sorry. Not Wake Up, Cheer Up. Yeah, I feel like they dance a little bit in that movie. I love Willy Wonka, don't get me wrong. I do, yeah, Willy Wonka is awesome. I don't like the the Charlie I've seen it once when it John first came Gapman. out. I didn't think it was that good. But yeah, Anna and the Apocalypse, I, di- I didn't... Don't get me wrong. I liked the movie. I thought it was super unique and neat. Like I, I, I would like to see more of stuff like this, honestly. I think there's a place in the genre for musical horror. I think it is creative. Like It, it really can be a lot of fun. Especially when you have like have really good songs. Like funny, creative songs. Like... <laughs> like uh, Another musical I like is South Park. Bigger, yeah. Yeah, that's a musical. <laughs> you haven't seen Ro- Robo Geisha, but ever the one Repo. No, I actually. Lyndon Blonde, Lyndon Bronson uh, movie. Darren Lynn Bowsman. Yeah. What did you say? Lyndon Bronson or something. Lyndon like Bronson. That. You know me with my names. Um, that was close. Yeah, I would. I, I wouldn't be opposed to say. Like I noticed that movie Stage Fright was a musical, right? Yeah. Um. I think Phantom of the Paradise is a horror musical. Like they they exist. Yeah. I just haven't seen many horror ones, but I would be curious to check out more. I gave this one a six out of ten. Six out of ten. All right. Uh. Next up for me, we'll do Wait Until Dark from 1967, starring Anthony Hepburn and Alan Arkin. Um. This is a really great, um, under-talked-about horror home invasion movie. (coughs) So we follow a main character, Aubrey Hepburn. She is a blind woman, recently blind woman, who is married to this man who comes home one day and is given a doll at the airport by this mysterious woman. And, uh, you know, she gives him this doll and she walks away and that's the end of it. And inside this doll, it's filled with heroin. Nice. And he doesn't know that it's filled with heroin. Heroin, and she, you know, he brings it home, gives it to Aubrey Hepburn, who's blind, and she throws it somewhere and forgets about it and doesn't really think about it. Fast forward, Alan Arkin's character, he is this uh, this crook, and you know he he wants his stuff because this doll was clearly supposed to go to him, but. Um, you know, she this woman freaked out and gave it to Aubrey Hepburn's husband. So he hires these two goonies, you know, these two goons to basically manipulate Aubrey Hepburn while her husband's away doing work to try and give him the dial back. And these guys are super manipulative. Um, you know, they they say that she that one of them is a police officer, you know, the chief of police. And the other one is a good friend of her husband's and he's in trouble and it's life and death unless they try and find this doll. And it's all about this manipulation and getting it Aubrey Hepburn's head. 
and she plays a blind woman absolutely amazing like you would absolutely think that she was really blind like just the way that she walks and the way that she bumps into things and she really never blinks her eyes or anything like that absolutely fucking phenomenal she does an, an amazing amazing performance in this movie and you could clearly see that this movie is based off a play because it's very um like i said it takes place in one room this apartment and the way that the characters talk and they move and things like that you could clearly picture it as a play on a stage because it just works like that and of course i looked it up after and of course it's based on a play but you know, this is a back and forth, you know, home invasion kind of early home invasion kind of film taking advantage of somebody who has a disability and they can't see and is naive and things like that. I know um, Jason Lloyd absolutely loves this fucking movie. Uh, he thinks it's like one of the best movies of the 60s and under talked about and things like that. And Alan Arkin just does an amazing job, an early performance from him. He just does an amazing job as this creep bag. And everybody else in it just does an, it's an absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal job. Really, really underrated, uh, under-talked about movie from the late 60s. And um, I think you should check it out. You can pick it up from the Warner Archive. Uh, they put out a Blu-ray of it. And um, like I said, really, really fantastic early home invasion movie made by Warner Warner Brothers, which I think Aubrey Hepburn was still in the contract at this time by them. But, um, you know, it has that Warner Brothers Hollywood feel to it. Um, you know, this is near the end of the golden age of movies. You know, The Graduate comes out in a couple of years at this point. So, you know, the, the golden age of Hollywood starting to die down. Movies like this, which are very polished and, you know, very high acted and things like that are starting to go by the wayside a little bit. But, um, this is a really fantastic movie. I give it an 8 out of 10. It's pretty solid. You definitely should check it out simply for uh, Aubrey Hepburn's performance. Um, you know, this isn't like, uh, you know, Breakfast and Tiffany's kind of a film. This is a – she gets down and dirty in this one. So, um, yeah, something that you usually wouldn't see from her in a horror movie nonetheless. So um, check it out. It's pretty good. And that was from Mark Lechem. No, 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 not Mark Lechem. Tyler. That one was from Tyler. All right. <clears throat> so next up for me is the 1988 Canadian horror film titled Dead Ringers. Mr. Cronenberg. Mr. David Cronenberg. Have you ever seen Dead Ringers? No. No? I haven't either. Um... I'm actually slowly working my way through Cronenberg's filmography um, throughout the years, and I'm really he he definitely is a very interesting filmmaker. Oh yeah. Um, so this film is pretty. In, I knew I always wondered what this film was about. Like the the cover, I can never tell what it was. Uh, the title, I'd no, I just always wondered what the hell Dead Ringers was. Um, but it essentially follows two identical twins, Elliot and Beverly. Yeah, Beverly. His name is Beverly. Uh, they are identical twins who seem very smart when they're children. They live in Toronto, and uh, they seem like they're going to be very successful. And in their teen years, um, they are more successful. And then in their, you know, very briefly, you just see certain sections of their life, and then you get to the movie when they're adults. And they run a uh, hugely successful um, gynecologist practice in Toronto. 
um, and they treat female uh, fertility problems and they essentially are like the best in the uh, industry. Uh, and they also like the, the two brothers are very different. Like Elliot, he is uh, more outgoing. He's like the type of dude that's going to uh, ex- give speeches and accept the awards that they're presented. Meanwhile, Beverly's the one who kind of is the smart, like guy who's like revolutionary in the work. Like he, uh, developed like this tool that helps with gynecologists and stuff and all this stuff. It, it's his abilities that sort of propel them, but they're both very talented, smart human beings. Um, Elliot's just more confident. Uh, basically turns out Elliot also likes to seduce women, uh, that he actually patients. Um, so he begins seducing, uh, well, he's not begins. He, he always has seduced women. Uh, and after he's sort of bored with them, he passes them off to his brother, Beverly, who pretends he's Elliot because they're identical twins. Um, so they kind of have this thing going, uh, one day an actress named Claire, uh, shows up and is having trouble with her cervix and basically she can't have kids. Uh, Elliot seduces her, gets bored with her, passes her to Beverly. Beverly starts actually like falling in love with her, but then Claire finds out what they're doing that, that they trade with, like they share women and stuff and she freaks out. Um, and that causes Beverly to become emotionally, detached and he starts abusing prescription drugs uh and eventually he gets into like serious depression uh more drug use paranoid delusions um gets you know uh malpractice and gets kicked out of the uh you know practice and his brother's trying to hold everything together and that's basically the story uh, it's actually not really a horror film at all, except for like psychologically because of his, you know, sort of depression and descent into almost madness, if you will. So that's about it. But um, it's really good. It's a really good movie. Um, I was into it the whole time. It's just, the acting is so on point. I think the same man plays both brothers i believe which surprised me afterwards because like i don't remember them not like it you know how sometimes this when the same person plays the same person they're never on screen at the same time and things like that mm-hmm. it's very noticeable at the time i didn't look like think of that like i didn't notice anything like that so bravo to that performance um but yeah it was um at least i think i hope it's not <laughs> hope it was um one brother and not two like one person because then i would feel dumb um oh yeah no he yeah okay jeremy irons as both beverly and elliot so cool that answers that question yeah uh really good movie uh just like sometimes with cronenberg like i can't get into the movie and then like if i watch it again i like it way more like um the dead zone is a good example of that. Like I just thought the dead zone was like, wow, why do people love this? And then the second time I watched it, I was so sucked into the narrative. I was just like really into it. Um, that happened with this one. First try. Like I was just really into this movie. Um, I can't say that it's like overly like amazing of like a story. Like it's kind of like not super unique. I mean, it's a little unique, but it's just very 
engaging, I guess. Like, that's the best thing I could say is it's just you're really into it. Um, I really dug this one. I gave it an 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. All right. Yes, yes, y'all. Last one up. Uh, Let's talk about Dragged Across Concrete from 2019. (laughs) This is the third film from Mr. S. Greg Saylor, who, of course, did Cell Block, Tech on Cell Block 99, or whatever the Cell Block 99 movie is last year, and he did Bone Tomahawk. So this is his third film up there doing his thing, and, um, you know, he likes to mix genres. You know, Bonehawk Tomahawk was a Western, cannibal Western. Cell Block 99 was a more, you know, grindhouse-style film. And now we have a neo-noir crime drama. It's There's some horror stuff going on in it, but it's mainly just a hard-hitter neo-noir. We follow... Uh, two policemen played by Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn, their partners. Mel Gibson's, you know, the old timer, been a cop for a long time. Vince Vaughn is like the younger new guy. And they're on a um, assignment to try and hunt down uh, one of these drug dealers. <coughs> and they're on surveillance on this um, fire escape. And they catch the guy. And they kind of abuse their power a little bit. You know, they beat them up a little bit, beat them around, smack them around. And somebody from across the way ends up pulling out their phone and recording it and sending it into the news. So now Mr. Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn are in a little bit of a predicament because now they are placed on administrative leave for six weeks. And Mel Gibson, you know, his family lives in a very bad part of town. Um, you know, his daughter gets picked on by local African-Americans and um, Vince Vaughn, you know, he's new about to get married and he's unsure about his life. But, you know, it's definitely Mel Gibson's has the rougher time of the two. So he decides to use his contacts of being a cop to pretty much become a dirty cop. And he comes across. Um, he goes to one of his contacts who gives him a tip on a <clears throat> a huge drug deal that's going to go down between uh, these two uh, black men and these three other mysterious men, which we never see who they are. We don't really know who they are. They're wearing ski masks the entire time, things like that. And, um, of course, things go wrong and shit goes down and things like that. Um like I said, it's a very heavy dialogue-based movie, very um, very influenced by films like Chinatown and other neo-noirs, um, things like that. The movie runs uh, almost three hours. It's like two hours and 50 minutes long. Uh, I feel like they could have cut the movie by a half an hour or so and pretty much got the same kind of result from the film, uh, but it's very – very very heavy dialogue based so if you don't like movies with a lot of dialogue and talking and things like that then this movie isn't for you it's not very you know there's not a lot of stuff going on it's a lot of time just spent with Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn's character as they talk about their lives and how shit's going wrong and everything like that and then uh, when the deal goes down badly of course and and the choices that they have to make to either you know keep going with this plan 
or, you know, throw it all away and just have six weeks of shittiness until they become cops again. It's just a, it's a really good movie. It's good. It's well made. Some of the shots are like absolutely fantastic. Some of the lighting is absolutely fantastic. Some of the set design is absolutely fantastic. Like there's some really, really solid stuff in this movie. But I feel like it has a little bit too much hype or surrounding it. Everybody's saying that this is his best movie. I think Cell Block 99 was a more enjoyable film in my personal opinion. I liked that movie a little bit more than this one. Um, and, you know, I didn't like it as much as Bone Tomahawk. But that doesn't mean it's not a fantastic movie or anything like that. It's still a really, really solid, good movie that you should give a watch if you like his other two films. And you like neo noirs because I really think that this one will do it for you. And I'm very curious to see what he does <clears throat> as time goes on because, like I said, he makes really high quality, well made genre films. And you could tell that this guy's passionate about all these different genres and he researches them and he understands past films. And you can see the influences from past films in all these different movies. So I'm curious to see what kind of film he makes next because from the look of it he likes to make a different kind of genre every other movie he makes so i'm curious to see what kind of genre he decides to choose next but still check it out it's worth a watch i gave it a seven and a half out of ten it's still really really solid and um i enjoyed it it's just a little bit too long uh at under a little under three hours so like i said i could have cut it a little bit but you know, it, it moves along at a good enough pace, and the guy's three for three for me. So, um, check it out. All right, yeah, I he made um, Brawl and Cell Block ninety nine, um, Bone Tomahawk, and he okay. wrote Puppet Master. I've only seen Bone Tomahawk. I it's know everybody funny was loving the Vince Vaughn one, but I just I never got around to it. <clears throat> uh, okay, so the final film that I'm going to review is actually probably one of my favorites that I watched. Um, it is from the year, what year did this come out? Um, 2013. 13. I love this movie too, man. Oh, you've seen this? Oh, a long time ago. Like Dude, I was, when I was watching it, I was like, Jeremy always talks about films hurting his head. I was like, I bet if he ever seen this, this one would hurt his head. <laughs> it's fucking great. Dude, yeah, I really like this one. So it, um, is eight friends who reunite at a dinner you didn't party. Say the name of it. Oh, it's co. Sorry, it's coherence. Um, and I got this one from Mister uh, Cox, James Cox, coming in, coming in with clutch with the good flicks. Um, eight friends reunite at a dinner party, and uh, it's during uh, the passing of this comet that's coming through. Um, and you know, all these friends have a history together. The the lead female. Uh, her boyfriend, her, his ex-girlfriend is there and there's definitely sort of negative vibes that she has towards, uh, the ex-girlfriend and, um, you know, there's, there's a history that's revealed throughout the night. You know what I mean? It's one of those. Uh, and basically when this comic goes by, the power goes out, um, they look, you know, outside and the only, there's only one house on the block that that has power so they go investigate upon return um two of the two of the people that went to investigate um upon return they have this box and it's all weird and they're like what the heck and uh, eventually you find out that they saw them at the other house like they saw the dinner party like 
all their friends. So it's like a doppelganger thing. Um, And then you, you know, as the story develops, it's super sci-fi. It's a sci-fi flick. And there's just so much more revealed. And it's like really you start getting into like parallel universes and things like that. And it just gets so it's just cooler and cooler with all the different things that happen and and the different like reveals and and all these different sort of um uh theories that the characters come up with on how to like tell you know who's from the original place and does it even matter like all this stuff man it was just a super dope movie um you really have to pay attention to it because things that happen early on get brought up later and you know stuff with these glow sticks and no it reminds me of uh the invitation but it not as like yeah it's quirky just the and din- dinner party aspect and yeah. the weirdness and stuff like that. Yeah, I totally got that same vibe. Even like the somber vibe of the dinner party feels like mm-hmm. the imitation. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, the last, you know, like this is a movie you don't want to like reveal too much about because it's so fun to uncover um, the story throughout and like to see each thing, like the concept of the film come to fruition you don't want to spoil the things that that come up in this film because it it really is super neat it's one that keeps you thinking like you're thinking like okay where's it gonna go where's it gonna go like what's this mean like how are they like what what is all this you know and and it's really cool and i will say that the ending is kind of um it makes sense but it it was kind of like oh all of this for this it's kind it was kind it actually was a little surprising that they went that territory but it made sense um, so yeah, I, I mean, I really liked this movie. I thought it was super cool. Um, I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. Yeah, I liked it too. I don't really remember it that much. Yeah, I, I saw it imagine. six years ago. <laughs> I can't imagine remembering much about this movie yeah. six years later because it is very complex. Yeah, but um, I had the Blu-ray, I think, a Vision or however the hell you pronounce them, put it out, but it's really good. Yeah. What I got from Go Hastings. Ah, cool. All right, so uh, that was what we watched, or as Moods likes to say, dub, dub, dub. Pretty long one. Um, and now we're gonna get into our six featured reviews. We're gonna bring in Mike, and we'll be right back. Yeah, buddy. All right, and now we're welcoming in Mike. Hey, Mike, you're back. <laughs> Three episodes in a row, I think. <laughs> Yeah, yep. I know, and I think only one of them was really like pre-planned. <laughs> He's turning into Derek. Yeah, you're you're the new Derek. Derek went on a nine-episode streak or ten. Damn. Try to beat that. <laughs> well, I, I've been kind of itching to just talk because my shows have had the damnedest time the last three weeks getting scheduled. So it's like I, I have all these plans to put out new episodes, and then between me or one of my co-hosts, something pushes things back so when you asked me i was like let's see watch all these movies by some i was like i'm gonna make my, i'm gonna make my best effort to do it just so i can like show up on something you know yeah talk about us we've been watching shit for six weeks yeah we appreciate you uh hopping on with us though because it's always fun to have three people on the featured reviews simply because one the audience actually pays for three people <laughs> and two it's it's more fun so um, the only one that we, you didn't get, a, I don't even think I told you to watch this one. I, I, I already felt like I was asking you a lot to watch five movies. So I didn't even tell you the two and two hour and five minute one that we were doing. So, uh, we're going to just talk about that one and then we'll, uh, 
you know, have you review the other ones with us. But first, um, what is going on on Fresh Cuts and No More Room in Hell? Like, what's your next yeah, episode? JP's on? girlfriend's on it, right? Uh, the last one, I think Carly was on. JP's girlfriend. They went to a <laughs> wedding this weekend. They got freaky, I heard. We did go to a wedding. That's right. We got and freaky, I, right? No. And uh-huh. JP. JP was telling me about it, and I kept getting confused because there was actually two different Carly's. Like, no, there Carly. wasn't. I just was bad at explaining that. Oh, okay. It was just one Carly. I was saying my cousin, her boyfriend, and Carly are the only people I know. Oh, maybe just because like when I read yeah. it, I didn't I didn't read it with like a pause in there. So Carly's yeah, making you go outside your uh, comfort zone, huh, bro? What? Carly's making you go outside your comfort zone, what huh? What do you mean? Taking you to weddings and no, I went to a wedding two years ago and invited another coworker, and Carly was like, "Why didn't you invite me?" And I was like, "I don't know." Going to see Blink One Eighty Two. You don't seem like a concert kind of guy. I'm not a concert kind of guy, but I've been to a couple. Um, but this is something that she wanted to do, and I do love Blink One Eighty Two, and so that little Wayne too. I know, but <laughs> I, I'm okay. I've come around on Lil Wayne a little bit. I don't hate him like I did when he came out and was because I just really was annoyed that I didn't think he was that good and everybody was just so all over him. What now a weird I kind fucking of, pair. Now, now I kind of understand the appeal to him a little bit. But yeah, no, I, I went to a wedding two years ago and didn't invite Carly and she was like, what the hell, dude? And so this <laughs> was to sort of repay her because I took this other chick. Um other coworker, um so yeah i decided to go to this one even though i didn't know anybody um because they were her coworkers. uh it was still pretty fun uh drank a little bit um it was very nice was the food decent food was decent food was good cool um, looked like your typical ghetto kind of wedding was it ghetto no it was real it was on a farm like it was really nice like yeah like a huge farm and like this bit the the actual like like the food was in this big barn and they had like a dance floor in there and stuff it was it was actually like really it was like old school and new school you know it was like kind of rustic and stuff but very cool i i actually really liked the whole theme of it see now she just has to get you to come out of your house and come to my house yeah and then everything will be complete yeah you just gotta stop being a bitch I'm not really being a bitch. I just want to go for something. Like, why? I, not, like, why do you have to I, it would just be something? cool. Like, you know, like to have something cool to do, go to. Like, uh, I got a bunch of shit that we could do. God damn it! Yeah, I know. Yeah, we'll make it happen. Eventually. I got a whole itinerary. <laughs> really? Moves. You're gonna plan out a whole event for us? Huh? Oh yeah, totally. We could spend three days just looking for movies, bro. Okay, sounds fun. Uh, what else was I gonna say? Um, Let's do this movie. Oh yeah, we should probably do this movie. But <laughs> you, yeah, do you, what's your next episode of uh, No More Room in Hell, though? Uh, nobody cares else? about that shit. Let's talk about. That. <laughs> well, for for the few people that <laughs> listen to your show that were like, oh, I'll check it out. Um, the next episode is going to be Big Bad Wolves and the Treatment. That's the Dude, episode that was that, so yeah. long ago. That you yeah, I know. We've had like three – we were supposed to record that the week before I, I had my like back-to-back weekend vacations, but it was like a very small window mm-hmm. in April to where if we didn't do it then, there's no way we could do it the rest of the month. And 
we were set to go and I forgot what came up, but something came up and then, uh, it's just been a hell of a time since. So, but I think it's actually scheduled and we're good to go on it now. Finally. Okay, cool. That I told you guys that Jeremy was like the biggest lover of the treatment. That's a pretty harsh movie. It's on my top 50 list, bro. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah, I liked it. It's just one of those like it, it's Yeah, that's what I said. I told you it was pretty heavy much. like. Well, like, like I, I, I actually yeah. I actually ended up rewatching it because oh, the when I got back from my vacations, we were going to record like within like a couple of days, so I was like I better rewatch it. And I'm not rewatching it a third time. Not that I <laughs> not that I didn't like it, but goddamn it's yeah, it's, it's a heavy movie. It's heavy. Yeah. My kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so sorry, Mike. You're gonna have to just shut up and be quiet for a minute. You can ask us questions no worries. if you want, but okay. uh, this film is "I Am a Hero" from the year. What year is it, Jeremy? Uh, 2016, but it just came out here last year. Yeah. So this actually made Moods' top ten, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't remember what spot it was. Do you? No. No. What, what, what? There's so much shit going on. How the hell am I supposed to remember his list? <laughs> yeah. I barely remember my fucking list. <clears throat> what was the uh, country? Is this Japanese? Or Japanese. Japanese. Okay. Because uh, it's is... based on a manga. Oh, it is based on a manga. Yep. Okay, so give us a plot here then. Oh, so now you want me to be the host. No, the host never gives the plot, does it? Oh, yeah, I guess Hito Suyuki is a 35-year-old manga assistant whose life seems to be stuck around his exhausting but low-paying job, unfulfilled dreams, strange hallucinations, and unsatisfying relationships. He sees himself as a supporting character in his own life, has low self-esteem, resulting in frustration. One day, the world as Hideo knows it is shattered by the presence of a disease that turns people into homicidal maniacs whose first instinction is to attack and defaro the nearest human. Would you call this a zombie film or an infected film? Zombie film because they eat people. But are they dead? Uh... <laughs> from, the, from the synopsis I'm reading, it looks like the first person gets killed. I, I was looking at IMDb mm-hmm. since I haven't seen the movie like you said, but... I don't know. It I seems it's, like it's the person. It's a solid movie. I don't know. Huh. Okay. Um, I mean, I you know how I feel about zombies and infected. I think they're the same anyway, pretty much. So, um, but yeah, this one. Okay. I, I just I, noticed that they look retarded. <laughs> I know Moods is like, they look so cool, man. The zombies look so the, cool. I was like, they look stupid. The rules have kind of bent between the two things, too. Like, I think there used to be more stark differences, but now some infected movies and some zombie movies kind of, like, they'll behave the same way anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I I, honestly, Moods, I wish Moods would have been here for this one, because I would have liked to hear, like, what, I don't remember what he said about the movie. It's like, it's not a bad movie. Like, I liked it. I think, like, the main character is, like, enjoyable and everything like that. I think, like, the relationship he has with this girl that he finds on the side of the road that he saves. It kind of reminded me of um, that other, that one, the Ciro. What's the one that Synapse released that we reviewed? The other Japanese punk rock movie. Oh, Zero or Wild Zero or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wild. Yeah. Is that the one? <coughs> Here it is. Wild Zero. Yeah, that's the name. Yeah. 
Remind me of like the relationship that relationship that that character had in that movie with the person that the girl that he saves at the side of the road. Kind of has that kind of feel to it, but I yeah, I think that um, to, for me personally, uh, I liked the movie, but I didn't really see much. You know, it, it felt more the same to me. I guess the big key difference is the the character is like this unassuming like guy who shouldn't be like i guess that's the title i am here. yeah it's supposed to be like it's supposed to be a comedy horror comedy yeah, look, but there's, like, there's like a subtle like dark yeah. comedy to it or very japanese comedy actually very yeah anime. like the scene in like the scene in the office where he's like fucking up his co-workers like yeah it's probably like the most comedic kind of yeah. scene and i think like the most the one thing that everybody talks about when it comes to this movie is the ending and the batshit crazy super Japanese over the top <laughs> crazy fucking ending. Yeah, Dude, one of my favorite <laughs> scenes in this film, it, or one of my favorite things about in this movie, is that zombie that's like jumping yeah. into the air and landing on his head. I think it's retarded to be honest. I just thought it was cool looking, man. I, it looks really bad. I don't know. I liked it. Did did this movie hold you guys for the running time? Because I see it's two hours and six minutes. I would have to absolutely preferred to be. For it to be ninety, I don't think there's a single reason this needed to be two hours. Yeah, I think the most interesting part of this movie is the middle, towards the middle of the end, where they come across this um, this group of survivors who are living on the roof, and it's of course ran by this one guy who's like in charge, mm-hmm. and he's of course a piece of shit kind of character who yeah. seems really nice, but he ends up being a piece of shit. Aren't I think you like that. Tired of that in zombie movies, though. Like when they meet a new group of people and then it's like, oh, there's going to be one asshole who like ruins everything and controls everything. Like yeah. I'm so burnt out on that. I just really am, man. I've I just think like the way – the place that they like – they were at is like super interesting because technically nobody should be able to get up there or anything like that. And yeah, like was, technically yeah, that's a cool concept go wrong. Doing every – like you know, setting up on rooftops and stuff. Yeah, like um, it's interesting like – even though there's this one guy who could jump up into the air and land on his head and <laughs> fucking leap on top of a building, and um, somehow you can't get bit if you're wearing Rolex watches, which is <laughs> hmm. it's just, it's this weird Japanese, Japanese stuff. yeah. Like there's other stuff like there's um, I actually think that it very much feels like anime. Like I haven't seen a ton of anime, but um, like the stuff where he's like thinking in his head and then he flashes back to like you know normal stuff just remind like that daydream thing that he does mm-hmm. that just seems very anime-ish to me um and like the humor is very much of what you would see in like in like an anime um television show or something like that i don't i don't really know mon- i don't know anything about manga but it feels like manga obviously is the basis for a lot of anime so i feel like it kind of goes hand in hand and I think that humor exists in manga. Yeah. And like, I never really, I don't really understand the relationship between him and his love interest. Like she has these superpowers, like she's a badass, but like she only shows it like once. And then the rest the of the time. Zombie chick? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I really wasn't. It's kind of like a little that, bit pointless. <laughs> she's kind of a little bit pointless to be honest with you. But you know, it's it's a huge, wildly huge budget movie. You could tell, like, this movie was – it's not a small budget kind of movie. There's, like, huge set design and, like, huge 
huge action scenes and a whole bunch of background extras and things like that. So it's not a lower budget movie. You could tell that it had mm-hmm. quite a bit of money behind it. But I don't know. I just thought the zombies looked stupid and not good. And, you know, it's a well-made movie. And I think, like, the main character, he's definitely, like, the best part of the film. He's enjoyable to be with. And I don't think that, you know, he his advantages and disadvantages are perfectly explained throughout the movie and things like that. And, you know, I just wasn't, like, the biggest fan of it, to be honest with you. But I still, like, liked it and I thought it was at least worth the watch once. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it, this would have never made my top ten, honestly. Not yeah. saying that Moods' list is wrong or anything like that. He he di- he digs this stuff a little bit more than I do. Um, I I'm not a huge fan of Japanese films in ge- like. That's not true, but like I, I mean, <laughs> it's I I like certain Japanese films. I don't like ghost Japanese stuff that much, and I don't like. Um, the, the stuff the that's top. very cult, yeah, like the, the over-the-top cultural, like kaiju and like the the like giant fighting things and stuff like that. It's just not really my cup of tea. This one kind of has elements of that, but it kind of reminded me of Train to Busan a little bit as well. But I think Train to Busan is a much better movie. Yeah, um, but it, it it was it wasn't bad. I thought it was a pretty decent film. Just. I didn't. Not for you. It's it's not not for me. It's just I don't connect with it like Baby Moods did. Mm -hmm. I I thought it was had its moments, but you know. I I I gave it a seven. Me too. Seven. Okay. Hmm. Seven is not bad. Uh, (laughs) Mike. Yeah. If it was. If it was it's last like Derek's year, kind of movie and Sam's kind of movie. Yeah, they probably really like this movie. I think that, yeah. I, like, I I understand that I didn't know that it came out last year. This is not one that I watched for prep for 2018. Um, so I think now watching it would almost be like not really worth it um, if you're doing it for prep reasons. Because like I, I always I never like to watch movies that came out last year after the year has passed. But that's just me. So I mean, at the least, at the least, is it a fun watch? Yeah, no, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, it's it's definitely a fun movie. Like that's probably the better way to describe it. But yeah, I am a hero. So, what next? Should we do Ricky O? Sure, we want to have some more fun. Japanese. This isn't Japanese, though, right? It's no, I don't think it's Chinese, right? Um. Oh, this is Hong Kong. Yeah. Hong Kong. Oh, this was on Tubi. I didn't even know. It's from Hong Kong. Yeah. So Cantonese, Chinese. Yep. Uh, Just here, it is Mandarin. Chinese. Yeah. So, uh, Ricky O, oh, the story of Ricky from the year 1991, the year of my birth. Uh, actually, was released a day before my first birthday. In Japan in, in Hong Kong, rather. Wow. Um, you are young. <laughs> so yeah, uh this film, Jeremy, give a plot on this. Ooh, you snuck up on me, you bastard. I tried to stall to give you some time. Well I could just like do it off the top of my head. Then do it off the top of your head, okay. <laughs> So we got this guy, he is like um he's like he's like Yoda he's like Luke Skywalker and he has like this Yoda kind of character. He's like super strong and muscular. And he gets thrown into jail, which are now 
<coughs> jails are now privatized and they're owned by like big businesses and kind of stuff. So this um, this guy gets thrown into jail. I guess Yoda's bad. I guess it's like an Obi Wan Kenobi. He gets thrown into jail, and um, there's like different uh, gangs in these jails, and they all do bad things and things like that. And basically, you know, he's like Luke Skywalker, and he goes around and he fucks all these guys up and tries to bring peace to the prison, and he basically becomes a hero. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a video game. <laughs> it is. It's a side side scroller beat em up. <laughs> yeah, didn't you say that, Jeremy, yeah. in chat? Yep. Yeah, that's so funny, Did, man. Okay, so you thought I was gonna hate this movie? That's what you said, right? I didn't think you were gonna like it very much. I thought it was gonna be a little bit too over the top and goofy for you. No, I really liked it, man. I, oh, I thought it was fucking fun. <laughs> it's. I love that it's g- really gory too. <laughs> Yeah, like mm-hmm. Ricky O is punching off people's arms and legs and stuff. It's just ridiculous. But I, I just really like the one dude, like slices his own stomach open and pulls out his guts and stuff. It, it's just, <laughs> it, it's just, it's wow, just over man. the top. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. Also, is it's nonstop. Like it, yeah. it keeps coming. It's very fast paced, and there's it's like always this guy's something getting crushed, and he's like. He's so strong that he's like holding up this fucking ceiling that's falling up on top of him. It's like he's like, oh, and he's fucking like, and it's it super up. Chinese too, right? Like, super Chinese. This is different than Japanese culture. Like, this yeah. is this is like the the old martial arts movies mixed with yeah. like a little bit of horror stuff, and I I like that stuff personally, man. He's fucking punching people's heads in half and shit like that. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, and these guys it, it are feel, so it like, feels yeah. It and then they find out that he's, that he that that they're selling dope in the prison, and that really pisses off Berkio. <laughs> and when he finds out they're selling fucking dope, he loses his fucking mind, and that's when shit really gets fucked up. Yeah, I wish that I had this. You said, did you say it's out of print? Yeah, but you could get it from Tokyo Shock for like you can still find it for like twenty bucks. Is it on blue? Yeah. Oh man, they need to re-release this. Is there sequels to this film? An unofficial I don't, sequel. I don't. Oh, yeah. uh, okay. Because I thought I seen another one when I was searching the title, but yeah, I wish there was more of these. This this was maybe was so ridiculous. It, it was. Really I loved fun. it. Yeah, I honestly did too, man. Like I had a lot of fun watching it. I was just like, man, this. Like I want to own it just because this is like the perfect party movie. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You pop, well, that's what it's this. known for. Yeah, like, it's known for like it's over the top violence and like. It's insanity and like it makes no sense whatsoever that all these things are happening, and like the warrant when the fucking warrant comes back with his kid and he's fucking he's killing people because they're being mean to his kid. Oh, it's just hilarious. I don't know. Yeah, if if you like movies like Cell Block in '99 or the Second Raid movie that takes place like mostly in a prison, but you want like the Annie up to like goofiness and gore, and you know. You're going to love it, but also laugh along with what's going on. This is the perfect movie. I consider this kind of uh, what I like to call a rite of passage movie where if you're a friend of mine or like, you know, someone who I watch movies with and I ask you if you've seen this and you say you haven't, I'm immediately going to try to show it to you because uh, I think it's a movie everyone needs to watch because at least once just to say you've seen it. And it's kind of unfortunate one I mean one of the side things or one of the things in the digital age is there's a good chance even if you haven't seen the movie you've seen like some of the gore bits in here yeah. used well, hell, elsewhere moods, in know? moods's intro to his YouTube channel one of the the guy that slits open his stomach and pulls out his uh 
intestines that's in his intro and i mm-hmm. i knew that clip from there <laughs> yeah yeah like i'm sure in this day and age people can go on youtube and like it'll probably be like oh all the best parts of ricky O, you know uh but i recommend if you haven't seen the movie just don't do that and actually go yeah. watch the it's full on movie Tubi. you can watch it for free on tubi right now cool I just I think you should watch it anyway because I like I like the story like I like all the different gangs and all the different parts of the block cells and they're like the 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 people who are in the west block is behind Riccio and the people in the east block is against Riccio and like yeah. the leaders of each block it's like yeah it's like a fun interaction plus like the the prison aspect of it like you were just saying is fun I I like prison movies in general especially ones that are like with these like martial artists like this badass you know it's just like mm-hmm. dope man it's fucking the warren's pulling out his fucking eye and there's mints in there somehow <laughs> He's fucking yeah it's just like and, this is ridiculous yeah and one of the reasons i called it like video game like because not just ricky o is a super strength but like a lot of the villains and bad guys and side characters like even their features like the way they physically look it's all ramped up like over the top to yeah, be like looking like yeah mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, but um, yeah, man, I, I totally. Oh, there's animated films. Really? Yeah, Ricky O from '89 came out before this. Forty-six minute animation. Fuck that! I want to watch this one. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's the <laughs> same thing. It's guy in a prison and stuff. And then Ricky O two. It's unofficial animation. Yeah, it's on a because what's like fourteen years later or something. Yeah, it's no, like no, no. These, even... these came out before Riccio. Oh, you mean the anime? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the actual live action sequel. No, I think it's like, like two thousand five or two thousand five. Yeah, it's like hard to find and everything. Like, yeah. I don't even know if you could. I think it's like a Cold Prey three situation where you can't even like get it in English. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of that, when the fuck's Cold Prey three going to come out? God, I don't know. It. Never. I know. Did you see? I don't know if you have the IMDb IMDb page up, but look at what the original title for Ricky O is, and it's just what is hilarious. it? Lick Wong. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> All right, so um, I mean, the, unfortunately, there's just not much to say about this. Yeah, so there's a guy who's in a prison and he goes around and he fucking smashes people's heads off and. Yeah, it's, basically about not, it. it's not heavy on story, but from start to finish, it's fun. It's, uh, what, 90 minutes, so it, it's paced fast, it moves and fast. And there's always something happening. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and like every... Oh, dude, the like, every flashback scene. He's outdone the previous one. <laughs> the yeah. flashback scenes where he starts punching his tombstones and shit. <laughs> like I said, he's fucking Luke Skywalker, Obi-Wan oh, Kenobi. Dude, that man. is some great shit, I'll tell you. I love that. I want. I would t- totally watch this movie like right now. It's it's that fun. Yeah, it's a blast. Yeah. So uh, it's just one that like the Riff Raff guys and Mystery Science Theater the three thousand guys would have a field day with. It's just or Shutter bought the rights to it. Joe Bob could do it. Oh, yeah. Joe, oh, Bob. Joe Bob. It, like, Joe Bob's segments on this would be so awesome. His yeah, drive in totals would can... be literally insane, dude. Yeah. <laughs> 55 head rolls. <laughs> Kung Heads fu. roll, eyeballs roll, arms Kung roll. Kung fu, mint fu, eyeball fu. Yeah. Um, hamburger grinder Intestines fu. Intestines <laughs> Hamburger grinder. I forgot the hamburger grinder. <laughs> Tombstone uh, fu. Yeah. <laughs> Man, so I need to catch up on some, my dri- last drive-in. I try to throw it on even when I'm like not able to watch it just so that 
like my number counts for the stream because I will be so sad if they don't do more. I think it's doing really well. So. I hope so. I think so because it's down to what two weeks left for this uh-huh. initial run. Yeah. yeah, and I love it. I truly do. Yeah, well, well they should. I mean, ho- I'm hoping that the creep show starts soon after Joe Bob ends, so like we have something to transition right into, yeah. and that'll give them like some type of time frame to like make an announcement for the next season hopefully i don't see how they couldn't renew it unless just oh, shutter like like, spent all its money on yeah. the first I but can't i don't imagine see how. it costs that much to film uh, it's just joe bob and darcy yeah that's it so what do you guys rate ricky o eight and a half i'm at an eight um i'll go eight and a half as well i mean I, I suppose there's some people out there that wouldn't like this type of movie, but come on. It's yeah. it's fun. I mean, it's a riot. Yeah. All right. Um, so the next film is a – who gave us Ricky O, by the way? We didn't even mention. All right. So uh, Ratch Command gave I Am Hero, and Mark Leham gave Ricky O. All right. And then Seven was given Rob to Hankins. us by Rob Hankins. And that's our next film, Seven, the David Fincher film from the year 1997. Seven. Seven. Yep. Which is one of the better films of 97, if you've ever <laughs> looked at the films that came out in 97. Well, we almost got it. It was number two on the list and the randomizer this last time, so. Yeah. So, we what, close. What, what is the plot synopsis for Seven? Um, How are you never prepared? Seven deadly, seven deadly sins killer. Two detectives trying to find him there. There we go. Pretty much. Okay. <laughs> when retiring police detective William Somerset tackles a final case with the aid of a newly transferred David Mills, they discover a number of elaborate, elaborate and grisly murders. They soon realize they are dealing with a serial killer who is targeting people who he thinks represents one of the seven sins. Somerset also befriends Mills' wife, Tracy, who is pregnant and afraid to raise her child in the crime-riddled city. Yeah. So, um, one thing that I like about this film right away is I'm not sure, do they set a do they give you a year that this film takes place? No, but I kind of get, like, the futuristic kind of feel to it because it's like she's like, she feels like the city's shitty. Yeah, but I almost get, like, I almost get, like, a like Gotham City type of thing where you're like not mm-hmm. sure where this takes place. It does it it takes place in New York, I would assume. No, no, it no. looks like Chicago is it? Think, I don't know. I don't uh, think they Chicago. give a place either. Yeah, yeah I'm just going I mean, by, I'm that's what I'm saying. It feels like it could be like any big city like just any generic big, big metropolitan yeah. city, yeah. Yeah. And I really like that about it because like it's ra- like the rain-stricken sl- streets has that like almost noir feel to it and like a fire escapes yeah it's just like i love the atmosphere to the film Mm. yeah this is this is one of the first movies i ever uh watched after buying my first surround sound yeah it's 95 um (laughs) i was watching watching this movie after i bought a surround sound for the first time and just the constant rain in this movie like Man, that shit sounded so realistic listening to it. My cats were all thinking it was raining outside. They were <laughs> they were going into the window with their ears perked up. And but uh, yes, this movie I I really like this movie. I've always yeah, liked I, it. I love um, it. This I, is... I, 
I think it's right in the middle of like one of Fincher's best runs because yeah, it was like it's not this, as good as Zodiac, so. but it's like yeah, it's like a really I don't good know, movie. man. I think I might like this more than Zodiac. Really, I think yeah. Zodiac's his best movie. Right around this time, because it was this, the game, Fight Club, and then I think after I think that, Fight Zodiac. Club's his best movie for sure. Yeah. It's just a really good run. It I is mean, a re- good run, man. I love all yeah. those movies. <laughs> yeah, they're all good. Um, but yeah, this one specifically, this kind of started Morgan Freeman's like, I'm going to be a detective in every movie. Because <laughs> yeah. then he had he had the run of like this, Kiss the Girls, that like, what the hell is that one? Like Spider? I don't know. Because uh, yeah. he was in it. What you're talking about. It's like- but it made Brad Pitt famous too. Well, this was before he- Fight Club, so it's like... Yeah, we make like Brad Pitt a little bit more famous because at the time wasn't he like he was well known, but he wasn't like I'm not sure. I don't like superstar yet. I was like, yeah, I was like five when this I was like four when this came out. So yeah, (laughs) I don't remember the status of Brad Pitt back then. (laughs) Yeah, I remember I remember it, it got like a little backlash because I think wasn't Fincher like a music video director and then he transitioned to movies and then people tried to say like seven was like, Oh, it's like over stylized. And yeah. I didn't get it. I was like, I think it's a solid story. And well, the for the time, great. 95 dude, this film feels like it came out in like 2005. I don't think that late. I think I could see like 2002. Like, I'm just saying like, it, like it almost feels like saw took so much from this film. Hmm. Saw, yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So, like, um, w- one with just the, the story, like, the, like, because, I mean, John Doe is Jigsaw-esque for sure. You know what I mean? But before, mm-hmm. way before Jigsaw. Um, into, like, not so much the traps, but he's taking people mm-hmm. and punishing them for their, their sins. Jigsaw essentially does the same thing, you know. And um, the, even like the dark, gritty vibe of this film has the the jigsaw vibe to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the, at, I wouldn't be surprised if James Wan was really inspired by this. At the time when this came out, my because I I think I was like fifteen. I think my the vibe I got off was like, oh, this is like the next kind of like Silence of the Lambs, where it's like a yeah. gritty, like a gritty crime movie, but it's it's going over big budget for like the huge crowds like it's not relegated off to the corner somewhere where like it's only going to be a niche crowd seeing it and of course morgan freeman being in it helps with that kevin spacey mm-hmm. and brad pitt was just like jeremy said he was starting to like break out yeah as like that next level star i 100 percent agree with that analysis like I, I think that this definitely has that silence of the lambs like even certain shots of john doe remind you of like shots of hannibal lecter like how well yeah like this scene when he's getting like interrogated and he's like sitting there against like the the blank background yeah and he has like no expression on his face yeah like, like that kind of stuff uh-huh I and he's definitely like hannibal lecter not as smart as hannibal lecter but like he definitely has like you said the level of intelligence as mm-hmm. john kramer but it's like a mix of John Kramer and Hannibal Lecter pieced together. Yeah, and honestly, it was just a really creative thing to use the seven deadly sins, too. Like, mm-hmm. the uh, gluttony and sloth is just... Ugh. I think the one with the guy in the bed, which they never say if he lives or dies, that guy. They The guy's like, he's definitely going to die. <laughs> like, yeah, I thought he died. Sins. Yeah, he died like because he, he kind of... You know, he made that noise, and then they're like, he's in shock, and there's no way he's going to survive because he's just too malnourished and starved. Yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah, it was pretty disgusting. Yeah, it's, it's fucked. 
Yeah, yeah. That, that sloth is probably the the best one. I think it's just so gross, man. All the uh-huh. pine tree air fresheners hanging from the ceiling and stuff is super mm-hmm. creepy. Um, and then Jeez. gluttony is gross too, you know, with the huge dude and oh man, that and it was like eat, really creative though. Eat himself to death. Yeah, literally. Like forced to. Yeah, that's yeah. awful. Um, a couple years ago, I, I was. I wonder if he's a four XL shirt. <laughs> <laughs> a couple years ago, we we went down to LA, and usually when you're driving to LA, you have to go through the grapevine to get to the city. But we were going to a relative that like lives out more in the desert area. So when we were driving, my friend was like, "Man, this looks just like the area where they're driving at the end to uh, where the Trinity Killer takes him." Yeah. So we we Googled it, and we were actually like three miles from where they actually. Oh shot. really? Because, like, we're driving down it, – it's basically, like, looks just like that. You're driving down the desert. regular yeah. streets, but you're in the middle of nowhere, and it just looks so much like it. He Googled it, and I was like, holy shit. Yeah. We are right here. That's but, funny. yeah, that ending – I mean, I don't know if we're already there, but that ending really punches the gut. It's Listen, like – when I first seen this film – When I first seen this film – this is only the second time I watched it. I will tell you that I did not get the – impact this time around that I got the first time, which makes sense because you can't really relive that feeling of not knowing what's going to happen and then seeing it. But I remember hearing online that people like criticized Brad Pitt's acting. Dude, I think his acting is so Uh fucking good. Here, here goes JP's realistic kind of thing. It is so realistic. Like, like people don't realize, like it's not, it's not movie acting. It's like just what you do. In a situation, well, you would you would have shot him. I love I, how he looks. Would you have shot him? Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. If you were in that situation, no would you idea. have shot? <laughs> but um, probably. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. But it's I hard love to how say. he lo- how he like that look he gives where he lowers it and then puts it back up. It's just like you can see him thinking in his head. Like I just think the acting is so on point in that scene. I can't stand people that don't like that. Yeah, you can see the conflict, and I actually think that right before he does it, he didn't want to because yeah. like he he kind of lifts the gun no, like he definitely in, that has fa- it. in that fainting way yeah. where he's like, uh, and then and then the image flashes in his head, and it's Dunzo after that. But, but yeah, um, I thought that whole sequence was really good, and. The fact that uh, what the, is what does the killer have a name? Is it the Trin- it's no, it's not John Trinity? Doe. It's John Doe. John Doe. That's right. Um, the way he, yeah, I know <laughs> shit. Um, the way John Doe's just kind of like setting everything up and just playing with him the whole time and it's kind of antagonizing Kramer. him on purpose. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, and I mean that's the way it, uh, when you know John Doe's goal is to be murdered in the end. It's like. You're just kind of watching him, uh, his quote unquote masterpiece, kind of unfold. There. Yeah, and it, it really does remind you of somebody like, like who really believes in what he's doing, right? Like some people are fake, right? Like they they lead a cult, but they don't want to drink the Kool Aid. They, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? They want everybody else to, but like he's willing to go as far as it takes to prove a point, and that's what's scary about it. Um, yeah, I think that I think that the whole setup the I mean this is kind of a brilliant movie honestly. Like the the story like at the time 95 like there wasn't much like this um besides Silence of the Lambs actually. 
But that was yeah. more of just like the serial killer, like Hannibal Lecter type thing, like genius killer. Like like the nineties brought in the smart killer, right? Like that's where you got Hannibal Lecter and you got John Doe and then later you got like the, the scream uh films with the more intelligent killers. It just wasn't just a guy in a mask anymore. Uh it was more about like like the psychological, like being smart and I kinda like that. But are we going to ask the most popular question when talking about this movie? What's in the box? No. Oh, is it a horror film? Yes. The, the biggest discussion when it comes to this movie. It is to me. Yeah, I think it has horror elements in that I, I think it's still a cop drama, but it has horror elements. Cop thriller kind of movie. Yeah, I don't but know. What, what, what? separates like climax from being horror from this being horror mm. yeah like there's a kid there's a killer he's killing people mm-hmm. in gruesome ways you know what i mean i guess so i just think like whenever people talk about this movie that's like the one thing everybody talks about yeah this and, it's, it's and, horror. and you know what do you think mike you think this is horror mike uh-oh. Did we lose Mike? We have another uh, Andrew Schroyer. <laughs> yeah, um, we did lose Mike. I think we actually lost him. Lost him. Like, from the call. Uh, yeah. Keep Jeez, it going, JP. That's cool. Um, so, we, we'll we we'll get Mike back in here. But, yeah, I, I think that what makes it horror is, like, that it's actually kind of scary, too. Mm-hmm. You know, John Doe... Um, the way that he's killing people is, is a little freaky. You know, it's, it's a little darker than just like a crime thriller where somebody's just killing people. Like he's doing it in disturbing, uncanny type of ways. Like, so I think that that honestly like factors into if something's a horror film or not, um, is like the sort of going beyond the regular and into the like abnormal. Mm hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that the cool thing about seven two is just, you don't really, it is like a mystery. Like you don't know where it's going. Like, what is the plan of this guy? And then it all, it all makes so much sense by the end. You're like, holy crap. And yeah, it also weird has, what he, like how he turns himself in like yeah, that kind of yeah, dealio. Yeah. It's like super weird that he ends up doing that. Yeah. It makes you think that he's like so far ahead of everybody. So Mike, do you think this movie's a horror movie? Um, I mean, I'll go back to if you think Silence of the Lambs is, and I don't, I don't, I don't see how you could not find this one to be. I mean, I suppose like murder mystery detective movies kind of walk that line, but mm-hmm. I think because of the nature of what the uh, what John Doe's doing and all those horrific and scary horror like set pieces you get, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm willing to put it on that line in the sand of the horror side. Yeah. It's close to the line, but it's on the horror side for me. Yeah. Uh, so, I think that also Arlie Army's in this film too. I just wanted to shout that out because Arlie Army's awesome. R.I.P. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, ratings. My turn first. I, won first uh, last time. I give seven the same thing that I actually gave Zodiac, um, which I do love that film as well. And uh, I, I love Fincher's directing style. I actually like Alien 3, honestly. Just throwing that out there. Um, but, yeah, this was his second sophomore, this was his sophomore effort. And um, 
I think it's a like almost a masterpiece, you know what I mean? For your second film, boy, like he hit it out of the park. And um, although it didn't have as much weight as the first time I watched it, I still really like it. I gave it a nine out of ten. Mike, cool. Um, I'm the same. I'm going nine out of ten. You know, it's hard to replicate that kind of punch, um, especially the way it's revealed and the fact that there's no hint of what John Doe actually did (laughs) for that final little piece. And, you know, we, it's not like we get a scene where he shows up at the house and then it cuts to something else and you're kind of wondering, it's like, Mm -hmm. there's no real clue into what exactly he did. Yeah. I love that. Cause any other film would show him like in the car outside the house after, uh, Brad Pitt would leave or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Props for bringing that up. That's a that's a very good note. Yeah. So I'm gonna go nine out of ten as well. Uh, eight for me. All right. Nine, nine, and eight. Uh, so that's it for our bonus featured reviews. Now we're getting into the uh, main topic of the show, which is a William Castle director slash producer spotlight. Um, this is three William Castle films picked by Sam Edwards. Yeah, um, buddy. And, yeah, so what is the first one? I know two of them came out in 61. Right? Homicidal, Homicidal from the year 1961. Synopsis. All right, so synopsis is... Chaos and danger reign when good girl Miriam Webster, coincidence, meets her half brother, her half brother's girlfriend Emily, a mysterious blonde bombshell, bombshell living at their family's Southern California estate. Emily serves as the nurse for the siblings' aging wheelchair use guardian Helga Swenson. She is not, however, as sweet as she seems. Emily soon reveals herself to be a murderous schemer who will stop at nothing to steal Miriam's extensive inheritance. This movie kicks ass. Like, it's not, like, amazing, like, over, like, like oh, wow, this movie's, like, a masterpiece or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I still think, like, out of all his movies, it's probably, like, his best film, to be honest with you. I think that what ends up happening... Sure, it's fucking psycho. I mean, the fucking girl's name is Miriam. It's like, sure, it's just like a psycho remake, but I think just like the way that it's pieced together, and I know earlier, JP, you were talking about like in Dead Ringer, the same person playing two different characters. Like, that's the kind of situation that we have in this movie. It's just, I don't know. I just really, really like this one. And I think like the woman in the wheelchair reminded me of the guy, the guy from Breaking Bad. Uh, who hits the bell all the time? Is he? That character reminded me of him. Just ding, 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 ding. But I just think like the way this movie plays out and and everything like that. I think it's the most enjoyable out of all the movies that I've seen of his like so far. I don't know. I just really liked it. Yeah, you know, after watching all three of these Castle films, um, he really does feel like the budget Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he he's not as good and not as groundbreaking, but he's pretty good at like replicating like the the suspense vibes that Hitchcock does. Mm-hmm. Um, this the suspense, the story, the twist—it's all pretty much captured. I like how the uh, score works in these movies. Um, I think 
we'll uh, more so in one of them that we'll get to, but I mean, it's still present in this. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious where they take the cues from a movie like Psycho. Yeah. Um, anyone who's seen Psycho will just pretty much see it immediately and throughout the movie, but um, that's okay. It's yeah, that's okay. It's still a really fun movie. I was on board with the story the whole time, mm-hmm. um, and I liked how. I was actually surprised the, the murder at the beginning, like the stabbing. I was like, mm-hmm. whoa! Mm-hmm. I was like, that was actually violent. <laughs> yeah. And this whole time I was wondering why the uh, the brother, what the hell is his Warren. name? Uh, Warren. He seemed to be like talking funny, like the way his mouth would move. Yeah, and then looks at the like, very end. He looks like the guy from Mr. Spartacus or whatever the, <laughs> hell the next movie is. He has like that that flat face kind of look to him. Yeah. And like when he talks, like his lips move, but like his jaw didn't. And then at the end, when he, when he takes off all the stuff and like he, he removes like something out of his mouth. And I was like, Oh, maybe, maybe that's why his mouth was like funny yeah. when he was talking. But I was very pleased with this movie. Um, it's, it's, it's good. fun. I, I love, recommend people. You know, it. I love, I love William Castle's usual gimmick at the, towards the end of the movie. Wherever you yeah, want to leave and get your Is this the one where he from. comes in and he's like, "This is the you have ten seconds to leave the theater, but if you go, you could leave the theater, but if you left the theater, you had to like go to this booth that says like I'm a chicken or something, and like I forget what it was, but here we should probably do that for all these movies. Like it's like every movie has a gimmick, so this gimmick was called a fright break that allowed patrons to receive a full refund if they were too scared to stay for the climax of the movie. So based on the success of Castle's previous films, Columbia Pictures agreed to implement his concept for a fright break. This entails a 45-second timer, which overlays the film's climax as the heroine approaches the house, harboring a sadistic killer. A voiceover advertised the audience of the time remaining in which they could leave the theater and receive a full refund if they were too frightened to see the remainder of the film. To ensure the more willy Patreons did not simply stay for a second showing and leave during the finale, Castle had both numbered and different color tickets printed for each show. About 1% of the Patreons still demanded refunds, and in response, Castle decided to spotlight the people who chose to leave by creating a coward's corner. Uh, print ads promoting the film emph- emphasized the fight break gimmick, and uh, the coward's corner was a table with a nurse holding a blood pressure cuff. John Waters described it in his book, Crackpot. Came up with the Coward's Corner, a yellow cardboard booth manned by a bewildered theater employee in the lobby. When the fright break was announced and you found that you couldn't take it anymore, you had to leave your seat and in front of the entire audience follow yellow footsteps up the aisle bathed in a yellow light. Before you reached the Coward's Corner, you crossed yellow lines with a stencil message, Cowards Keep Waiting, Keep Walking. You passed the nurse in a yellow uniform who would offer a blood pressure test. All the while, a recording was blaring, watch the chicken, watch him shiver in Coward's Corner. As the audience howled, you had to go through one final indignity. At Coward's Corner, you were forced to sign a yellow card stating, I am a bona fide coward. Very, very few were masculistic enough to endure this. The 1% refund dribbled away to a 0%, and I'm sure that in many cities, a plan had to be paid to go through this torture. No wonder theater owners balked at booking a William Castle film. It was just all too complicated. Yeah, but it was awesome, damn it. According to Castle, the gimmick worked great, and the theaters earned an average 20000 weekly in box office sales with only $100 in refunds. Hell yeah. That's cool, man. 
<laughs> William Castle was a G with stuff like that. Oh man, he was amazing. That was his thing. Man. I would. I wish you could. I was like, could go back and check those out in the theater <laughs> during the time. Hell yeah! But yeah, I, I just really liked this movie. I think it was. It it has that Twilight Zone kind of feel to it, mm-hmm. and you know, like I said, even though it's like a psycho ripoff in the main well, character. I, I didn't see where the film was going. Like, so I was surprised. Like I didn't expect it to be a psycho ripoff. Um, until like, because they don't look alike, yeah, but like, yeah. they really make them up like really good. It's like, yeah, it literally is the same guy. Yup. And also like at, at 128 minutes, there's like no wasted scenes in this really. I mean, it, yeah, I was, 87. I mean, not, not, I mean, sorry, sorry, not 120. I mean, an hour and 28 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not a um, yeah, it it just it's every scene ties back into the story. It's all pretty good. I mean, there's no scenes that just meander around. Yeah, and you know what? You could pick this up in a double feature with um, Doctor Mister Sarnikis. Yeah, and uh, it's it's Seven pretty, bucks. pretty decent. You know, yeah. double feature and the transfers are good from good old uh, Mill Creek, I think. Yep. Yeah. So, I recommend picking that up. Yeah, it's a fun movie. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, ratings? No. Are you there? Uh, who's going first? You. Oh, okay. Chuck. Um, I am gonna give this one an eight and a half out of ten. All right. Yeah. Jeremy. Seven. I gave it an eight. Um, so yeah, and I just, I just do want to apologize. The movie is a little loose, but all three of these are loose in my head. I watched them like over a month ago. Sorry, um, but yeah, it, we, we did enjoy this one. Uh, so next up is Mister Serendipitous. Serendipitous. Don. Can you hear me? Yeah. Serendipitous. Serendipitous. Uh, from 1961. I thought it was Sardonicus. Uh, it probably is, because Jeremy is not good at pronunciation. Well, because they right. say it in the movie, but... Sir Robert Gargary, <laughs> a gifted London doctor researching experimental treatments for paralysis, receives a mysterious letter written in a familiar hand. Following its instructions, Con- Cargrave travels to the foggy mountains of Gorslavia, where he must treat the horribly defigured Baron Sardonicus. Sardonicus, Sardonicus has married Grave Gargrave's childhood sweetheart Maud and threatens to harm her should the doctor fail to cure him of his bizarre affection affliction. Yeah, so this one's kind of this one feels like it almost would have worked as like an anthology segment instead mm-hmm. of a full movie. What do you guys think? Yeah, it feels like it could I be agree. like a uh, uh, Alfred Hitchcock presents kind of. Yeah, like an hour long or like even a half hour long. Honestly, yeah, it definitely feels like a Twilight Zone kind of yeah story. Like it didn't need like a whole eighty minute film to tell its. It's a pretty simple story. It's this it's guy who's a doctor. This guy who's a doctor has to fix this guy who has a facial deformity. Yeah. And- so basically, the this dude. Um, wins the lottery or something, but he accidentally buried his winning ticket, ticket with his dead father. Uh, so he digs up his dead father and yeah. partially because of, 
you know, the fact that he committed a, a atrocity of digging up his father, um, mm-hmm. but also because he sees something so scary, his face permanently gets transformed into this uh basically he's yeah he's like a ghoul a ghoul like a grave robbing ghoul because of it and i believe it yeah his father won his father won the lottery that's why he didn't have that that sardonicus didn't have the ticket so they didn't find out of course that they even won it till after the dad was dead and buried so then it's the wife kind of like pressured him like are you freaking kidding me that ticket's still there go get it and he was kind of talked into it and uh yeah, then you kind of go from there. Yeah, he ends up with that kind of grotesque grin. Yeah, like Venom the Opera kind of. Kind of, like, yeah. Old yeah, yeah, yeah. Venom the Opera. And he he uses uh um he wears like a mask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like eyes without a face kind of mask to cover his face. Yeah, it's a really it's a it's a cool movie. Like I I really like this one too. I just think that it felt a little padded because the concept is so thin. Yeah, it's a simple story. Yeah, I didn't like this one as much as Homicidal, but like I still think it's good. Like I think like for a low budget movie, I think like the set pieces were good. It had like that medieval kind of dreariness. The castle setting was like good. The inside, you know, set design was like really good. It had like a universal. And um so this the gimmick in this one was called the punishment pole. So each movie Patreon was given a glow-in-the-dark card featuring a hand with the thumb out. At the appropriate time, they voted by holding up the card with either the thumbs up or thumbs down as to whatever Sarninicus would live or die. The poll scene as presented in the film is hosted by Castle himself. He is shown pretending to address the audience, jovially egging them on to choose punishment and tallying the poll's results with no breaks and continuity as the punishment ending is to pronounce the winner. Castle in his autobiography, Step Right Up, I'm Gonna Scare to the Pants of America, claimed the idea for two different endings came from Columbia Pictures to satisfaction with the downbeat ending of the original story and script. So I would have two endings, Columbia's and mine, and let the audience decide for themselves the fate of Mr. Sarninicus. The alternate, merciful ending purportedly showed Sarninicus being cured and surviving, although co-star Dalton claims no such ending was ever shot. Given that Turner Classic Movies was unable to locate any cut of the film, which included the merciful ending, the suggestion of alternate endings itself appeared to have been a labyrinth concept on the part of Castle in the service of the gimmick. Castle claimed in his book, um, invariably the audience verdict was slums down, contrary to some opinions, we had the other ending, but but it was rarely, if ever, used. The consensus among film historians, however, appears to be that no other endings were ever filmed. The punishment ending occupies only three minutes of the film after the poll and the ending of the original Russell short story. There are reports that a separate version of the poll was produced for drive-ins in which patrons were asked to flash their car headlights to vote. Similar variation was filmed for the drive-in market for the castle's film The Tingler, but no evidence for any variation of Mr. Sarninicus has come to light. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting one because uh Wait, wait, who the hell is Mr. Sarninicus? Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> you mean Mr. Sardonicus? Whatever. So I guess Mr. Sardonicus. So I guess Castle said that they shot two endings, but nobody has ever seen it or has like said anything about it. Two endings to what? This movie. What movie? A good yeah. ending. 
Oh my god, fuck you. I'm just wondering, I forgot, what movie was it? Mr. Sardinicus. <laughs> Sardonicus. Sardonicus, dude. Sardonicus. Sardines in a case. Think of it like that. <laughs> Sardines in a case. That's a good one. Uh, I think, I mean, I think the gimmick's cool because, well, it, I guess if, if the Mercy ending was never really filmed and he's kind of banking on everyone judging yeah but for here's the, punishment the thing ending how would you know if they didn't well i just think like he would just do like you know what i'm saying like, like how would you know as a person in the theater if more people voted for the good ending well yeah because if if it goes by what he comes on screen when he breaks into like the movie or breaks the fourth wall whatever and takes the vote well isn't it isn't he always gonna say the same um, thing, like the yeah. punishment rules. So, well, no, that's not true. He could do like a unfriended dark web kind of thing where. Yeah, I like, guess you could have a separate reel. Yeah, that's what was awesome about unfriended dark web. Like there was two different endings, and you didn't know what ending you were gonna get, and it was different like every time the movie really? showed. No, yeah, you didn't know that. No. Yeah, it was. They shot two endings. There was an A ending and a B ending, and each theater was given an ending, and that was the ending that would show in that theater but if you went to another theater you could possibly get a different ending did, did we have the same ending do you remember i'm sure you asked me uh i had the guy who got hit by the bike and died i think that's what the ending was or something like that uh i think mine he got hit by like a vehicle but it might have been the same thing it's kind of it's kind of hazy but i i think it's like the hackers or whatever like oh go to this address or whatever and then it shows them on the computer screen get hit by like a car or something yeah yeah that was my ending like i said i just know that there was two endings it's kind of cool it'll be cool more theaters did that all right so uh what do you guys rate mr sardonicus six um i gave I, it a, oh take, sorry wait Go. wait your turn uh i gave it a 6.5 yeah, I'm going 6.5 as well. I, I like this one. I like the story. I like the setup. The only – I think it, it kind of lost me a little with, with the ending, how it was – he's like, oh, no, it was just a placebo. He fixed it himself, and then he, he gets it right back again. And then I, I like it at the very end how the butler kind of is like, screw you. Like, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not helping you. I like that aspect of the ending, but just the little bits before that, I was like, what? Like – that's mm-hmm. that's was a placebo and he just fixed it himself uh, that was lukewarm on that alright so moving along we have 1964's Straight Jacket starring Joan Crawford uh, Jeremy Watson Though still mentally shaky, convicted axe murderess Lucy Harbin is released from the asylum where she was sent 20 years ago for slaying her unfaithful husband. Lucy goes to stay at her brother's farm and reconnect with her grown daughter, Carol, who saw her mother chop her father to pieces as a tot. Carol helps Lucy regain her old glamorous look but suspects that history might be repeating itself when anyone who angers her mother turns up hacked to death. This is Psycho 2, yo. Yep. (laughs) It even has like a psycho ending again. Listen, I, this actually was my favorite one of the three. Yeah, yeah. I like I like Time Aside more, but like 
is probably my second favorite. I think Joan Crawford like does like a really good job of as always. She plays that crazy. Joan Crawford's amazing. Yeah, she usually steals the show and movies she's in. What I what I really liked about this one, and maybe it's just me, but it felt like they played the movie you know through ninety percent of the runtime. Like there wasn't going to be a twist. Like she was just she went to the asylum or whatever because of the murders she got out and this is my first time seeing this so of course if people have already seen it they might be like no but uh uh she got out and to me they made it seem like you know she was still crazy and murdering it it wasn't like they were overtly dropping all these hints like oh no there might be a twist coming so then when it when it comes it's like oh shit like that was very well done like I, i just figured she's killing again um but I thought the story was great, and you know, like I said, I like the way how the twist plays in at the end and uh, how it wraps up. I thought this was very strong. And, yeah, I, I really yeah. liked the anxieties that they show throughout the film. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just love to see when like she puts on the wig and she like she tries to like make herself all pretty and like like try to make her feel like her before she went to the asylum by, yeah. and like. You know, it's very much like Baby Jane, but with Betty Davis's character, it's like that where she's like lost in time and she's trying to make up for lost time and like putting on that wig. We actually know. get to see a head chopped off on this. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, shit, what was I gonna say? Oh, uh, a couple things that I noticed is didn't they like use the Lizzie Borden rhyme in this? I don't know if that was like on purpose, but the yeah, thing about the forty wax. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, they did that. And the other thing that I noticed was making the jump rope girls creepy. And I was like, oh, is that something Wes Craven like yeah. borrowed? Because when it has the jump roping girls, but then it's overlaid with like Joan Crawford thinking they're saying something else. Yeah, the yeah. Lizzie Borden thing. Yeah, I, so, I never heard the Lizzie Borden thing, but it's like Lizzie Borden gave her hacks or something 40, like that. Yeah, something hacks. like took an axe gave her husband 40 wax and something something yeah it's basically that same rhyme just with lizzie borden instead of uh friday the character in this yeah lucy harbin lucy mm-hmm. harbin do you think that's why they named her something like lizzie borden lucy harbin probably because so the syllables the syllables yeah. are the fitner yeah it's like near rhymes that's funny. <laughs> the eight hey, William Castle was smart, man. <laughs> he was. He was a genius. Yeah. He really was. Like all these he, gimmicks and like making films for the cheap, but knew would sell well. It, he was like the Tarantino of the '60s. Like he knew what to take from other movies and but make them his own, really. Yeah, and all his movies just feel like they belong to be played in the drive-in too, which is pretty cool. That's what they were made for. Yeah, like this one. Like, I saw The Tingler at the drive-in, like, last year, I think. It was really mm-hmm. awesome, man. Did they have, like, the flashier headlights? Like, yep. what was the... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. like, scree- it was like, it was like, the one that's like, scream, because there's a Tingler loose in the thing tonight. And the only way you could stop it is from, you know, letting your fear out. And you just, it was so cool, because it was like, pitch black, and you just hear all these screams from different... See that, like that, like that's like his most like well-known film for like his gimmick because like he did multiple gimmicks in that movie. Like 
it says here, like, he attached electrical buzzers to the underside of some seats in the theaters where the tingler was screened. The buzzers were small surplus airplane wing de-icing motors led from World War II. <laughs> and during the climax of the film, the tingler was unleashed in the movie theater where the audience watched in which a young woman escapes the unwanted offenses of her boyfriend and is targeted. In the real-life theater, a woman screamed and then pretended to faint. She was then taken away in a stretcher, all part of the show arranged by Castle. From the screen, the voice of Prince, the voice of Price mentioned the fainted lady and asked the rest of the audience to remain seated. The film within a film resumed and was interrupted again. The projected film appeared to break as the silhouette of the tingler moved across the projection beam. The image of the film went dark. All lights in the auditorium went off, and Price's voice warned the audience, ladies and gentlemen, please do not panic, but scream. Scream for your lives. The tingler is loose in this theater. <laughs> this cued the theater projectionist to activate the percepto buzzers, giving some audience members an unexpected jolt, followed by a highly visible physical reaction. The voices of scared Patreons were heard from the screen, replaced by the voice of Price, who explained that the tingler is paralyzed and the danger was over. At this point, the film resumed its normal format, which was used for his epilogue. <laughs> Dude, I mean... That's the man. It's just a different era of, like, fun. You know what I mean? Yep. It's like he wanted you to have an experience when you went to the theater and he cared about it so deeply. Like that is so cool to me, man. I would love to read his autobiography. Yeah, no, I'm kind of interested in, in it now too. I didn't know there was one, but yeah. But uh, the, the gimmick in straight jacket was during the film's original release, movie, movie goers were given little cardboard axes as they entered the theater at the closing credits. They were asked to swing their axes back and forth as the torch-bearing woman is shown in her traditional pose, but decapitated with her head resting at her feet on her pedestal. Man, I wonder if any of these things are still around. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, so, um, yeah, I really like this one, man. I, I, I like the not knowing... Like if she's crazy, if she's not like, I, I mean, I pre I'm with Mike. I pretty much assume she was. Um, and, uh, you know, the opening is actually pretty good too. You know, where it's like her, she's, it even mentions that she like had a really like a younger husband. Mm-hmm. So she's like a milf and, uh, that good plays, one plays later, um, where <laughs> she, uh, is actually interested in her, daughter's mm-hmm. uh, fiance or whatever so yeah. and then I, I like I you feel really bad for her too right like yeah, when because... she's with the the family the uh, you know mother-in-law and the father-in-law and like they are very mean like they like obviously they don't want her their son marrying this girl and her crazy mom and stuff so I, I, you feel kind of bad when that whole thing plays out. Because mm-hmm. you know she can't help herself. Yeah. Like she's fucked up in the head. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, ratings. Um, Six and a half. I gave this one an eight. I'm going with an eight as well. Six and a half. Yeah, I, I really like this one. But yeah, yeah. I, 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 one thing I really like, uh, sorry, is, no, that's okay. is that the way the story is framed is it would make sense if it was her doing the murders too. Um, so it's not like a complete cop out. Cop out that it wasn't her. 
Mm-hmm. And then they throw in some good red herrings to it, like that part where she has crazy eyes looking through the window. <laughs> when uh, I think I think it was when they were like looking at a uh, was it when they were looking at a photo album? I can't remember, but they just pull that shot of her and. God damn, she looked creepy, like, <laughs> looking through the window. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, everything, I I like it how it, they, the story's played out to where, like, if it actually was her doing the killing, you wouldn't be surprised because it, it would make sense in that yeah. context. Yeah, 100%. Uh, really well designed. Um, very, it's just so crazy how much Psycho 2 in this feel the same to me. Um, but uh, I think that I really enjoy, I haven't seen many Castle films, like, I've seen um like his main ones like the tingler and stuff but i really enjoyed all three of these and especially since i was able to pick them up all on blue for cheap for cheap too i really enjoyed watching these yeah yeah me too and they're all they all pretty flew by pretty quick like i was a little worried when like you're like oh these three movies and i was like all right let me go see and they're all 90 minutes about and um they're paced well. Yeah. Um, the stories flow, and uh, it was it was a, kind of a great little. They're, it's they're not a trilogy, but just a trilogy of films to watch. Uh, I watched I had a really it all fun time. Mm-hmm, me too. Uh-huh. Yep. So, anyway, uh, that I guess is the show. Um, first ever episode without moods. Kind of weird, um, but you know, moods will be back and. We will be back again. We'll definitely have another show this month for sure. We have to. Uh, I don't know exactly what we're doing yet, but we have some featured reviews to get to as well as uh, some what we watch. So we'll be back with that. Uh, I want to thank Mike for coming on. Uh, and thank you for buying a t-shirt too, Mike. That was really cool. Yeah, buddy. I was going to say, before I came on, did you guys mention the t-shirt? Because, yeah, those oh, are yeah. up, up and ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did talk about it. We talked about how everybody, like, we sold, like, a ton already, which was pretty cool. Yeah, the intro was basically two things, t-shirts and Peter. And moods. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so thanks for coming on. Everybody check out Fresh Cuts and No More Room in Hell, which is on the Horophilia Network. Is those your only two shows? Uh, I do Theme Warriors. That one's non-horror specific. And then I'm doing that Burning for Springwood thing with oh, Gary. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Jesus Christ. I got things out there, but I those are like enough time for one ones. show. <laughs> well, you know, watching two episodes of Freddy's Nightmares isn't too bad. Well, I mean, our show also is like three shows combined in terms yeah. of yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you guys put out somewhere it's just marathon recording sessions. So yeah. if if I had shows that were that long, I would probably have trouble justifying to like my family. Oh, it's just oh, yeah, and I'm another show. You know? <laughs> yeah. Second nature at this point. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thank if you for If Moose was on. here, this show would have been like seven hours oh yeah because we're Easily. at we're at three like three hours now three that's it yeah yeah, yeah three. We did good yeah no we did good um i think that it's an action-packed content-filled show too so yeah yeah well thanks for having me it was fun again and uh if you're not tired of me maybe i'll come back in the future again yeah well i'm not sure if moods will be back on the very next episode but we may be looking for guests in the future. If not, not 100% sure. We'll figure it out and we'll let you know. 
Um, yeah, I even, I even volunteered not to do this if someone else wanted to because I was like, they might be tired of like having the same person. So I was like, <laughs> does anyone else want to do it before I like volunteer? But well, one thing that about us is like when we need a guest, if there's somebody that we like flow well with, like Derek or like now you or like Kyle back in the day, like we like to have that person on a bunch because you know it's it's just the audience can digest it more than like like uh the episode we did with steve where it was a little like off you know what i mean so or um, andrew well that episode did turn out good though oh it's the best yeah um yeah so uh jeremy with that said why don't you take us on out of here all right considering jp doesn't let me be the host all right thank you everybody for listening to episode 159 of the 22 shots of moods and horror podcast as always this horror 22 shots Whatever. Of and as always, please order a t-shirt. Drop me an email at nesruler2222 at gmail.com. nesruler2222 at gmail.com. What's your size? And I'll get back. What, JP? You I can go fuck your mama. I think it's funny that it's nesruler2222. 22 was taken, motherfucker. I... <laughs> Who took nesruler22? I don't know. The what email's the 10 hell? years old at this point. Yeah, that seems specific for someone else to already have. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. He probably took it and forgot. Oh, fuck you, man. As always, if you want to follow the man Moods himself, you can do so at youtube.com slash moods616. If you want to follow JP on his channel, youtube.com slash doubleshotj. And if you can follow the VIP, a.k.a. me, on my channel, youtube.com slash nesroller22. And yes, I made a new video, but don't expect any more because I'm not Why? making People any. People want you to make more. And as always, you can leave us a voicemail at 724-426-6665. But if your name's Peter, please don't leave us any. And you can leave us an email at 22shotsofmoodsandhorror at gmail.com. 22shotsofmoodsandhorror at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash 22 shots podcast join us on the facebook page facebook.com search bar 22 shots of moods and horror podcast and please support the patreon to get the sand sucked down my pajana patreon.com slash 22 shots podcast yeah unless your name is peter and don't expect immunity if you're fucking on there yeah that should do it everybody for episode 159 of the 22 shots of moods and horror podcast we'll be back next week with the Mighty Ducks trilogy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we did just uh, buy. Uh, we subscribed to the Disney Movie Club. What happens if we do like an offbeat episode of like Mighty something Ducks, stupid? Wayne's World the Mighty Ducks. Ducks. <laughs> yeah, so it's weird. <laughs> People be like, "What the hell happened to this show?" But no, seriously, I was like super happy. I got all these Disney titles in. I'm like, "What the hell's wrong with me, man? What is wrong with me?" By the way, if you want to sign up for the Disney Movie Club, use oh. my link because you will get – I will get two free movies. Thank you. I'll put it in the description. <laughs> Fucking bitch. <laughs> I already got one. From who, Derek? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, Disney Movie Club is pretty rad. I like it. Uh, I only want the exclusives. Yeah, you're gay. We already know that. <laughs> According to Peter. Peter, yeah. All right, so. Okay, bye. Later.